and welcome to episode 306 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett and a returning Jack Harper. Plenty, plenty to get into this week. Jurgen Klopp's men toppled Man City just days after insisting they could not compete. Arsenal stood strong at Leeds to ensure they remain top of the table. Graham Potter questioned what a glow-up was. Harry Kane scored his 116th penalty of the month. <laughs> Clarissa Shields dominated a great night at the O2. Deontay Wilder reminded people that he has a kiss of death in his right hand and will also look ahead to UFC 280. How are we doing today? Excellent, you got me hyped. Yeah. A little annoyed I stumbled across a word there. It was but, nearly um, flawless. But... That's what... Live TV. That's what live TV Weird does that we've you. done that as a um, fifth take, though. But um, oh, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> anyway... We do have plenty to get into this week, so we will get straight into news of the week. Fifth grade teacher arrested after admitting to active kill list of students and teachers she works with. That was brilliant. <clears throat> I mean, you should just be dropping that no context about leaving it in the staff room. The active bit is the, uh, I guess, the curious bit. Yeah. Are they, are they active <laughs> on it or is it? Because I think there's nothing wrong with having it in theory. That seems more than understandable. I think as well, like we see these, we see teachers or used to see teachers as just these robots that had no emotion, but they genuinely had like their favourites and the people they hated. I disagree. I, I knew the teachers that didn't like me. Um, in particular, a maths one, which I remember people saying they liked him, and I was mm, I feel like we're seeing a different bloke <laughs> which one here. Was that? Come on, name and shame. Not for the first um, time on this pod. Yeah. No, people used to sing what I think was a Simpsons episode <laughs> yeah. that contained what sounded like it's his so name. so weird. I was actually Twatty in the car was. the other day, and randomly my Spotify just did something really strange, and I was getting all these Simpsons and Pokemon songs come through on my shuffle, and that was one of the songs that came up. See, this is one of those things that is good for us, but actually means nothing to anyone I mean, including me. Listening. I mean, I'm all at sea, <laughs> and I'm involved in this, let alone if you're listening. It's the Dr. Sayers song from Planet of the Air. Yeah. Oh, well, there we go. Um, so we'll, we'll Jack's move about past to provide that, this but... guy's address and star sign here. <laughs> <laughs> um, Channel 4 has bought a painting by Hitler, and it's believed they're going to let an audience vote as to whether they let Jimmy Carr destroy it. <laughs> That's peak television. That is Channel 4, that. Yeah. We used to have Darren Brown saying he was going to give you the lottery numbers and now it's just, do we burn this painting? I think we should be able to vote on how he destroys it and what tools he's allowed to use. I mean... He has to get shit on it yeah, on live TV. I'd like to see him eat it piece by piece. They're not allowed to use his hands. Those protesters... Well, then we're one step away from uh, the Black Mirror... <laughs> Uh, Prime Minister. So, Those uh, protesters have to protect the, the image instead. Uh, their punishment <laughs> is to protect Hitler's uh, <laughs> thing. Uh, New Zealand scientists are breeding sheep to fart and burp less. Fair enough. They've started, they've started taxing farmers by the amount their uh, sheep and other animals burp it, and it fart. It kind of makes so. sense because you get taxed on your car emissions, don't you? And if you've got like a hundred thousand sheep. That's, that's a lot of greenhouse gas being emitted there. I remember reading that if you gave a cow a fizzy drink, it would explode. <laughs> well, I don't know if that's one of those things that like you could never give it enough that it would, or it must just be some kind of thing in principle, like, like the, uh, the height 
like an ant could jump if it was a human. Giving pigeon rice, vice versa, and things like that. Yeah, it was something to do with that they couldn't fart in the same way. I'm sure it was a cow, but I always used to think that I'd love to give it some coke, but then who's the real winner there? <laughs> like, if it does explode, then what what have I gained from that? It's just some trauma. <laughs> Uh, a woman who can smell Parkinson's helps scientists develop <laughs> How do you know you have that? <laughs> just gone and walked by a Parkinson's and thinking, what? Like she'd have had to have it a few times to really confirm that that's what it was. So she'd have, that once or twice I could justify, but three times I smelled <laughs> they had Parkinson's and they did. I can't be wrong every time. Is that garlic I can smell on your breath? <laughs> It must be Parkinson's then. You keep dropping that glass. <laughs> Flamethrower used on teens trying to toilet paper home. If they're throwing toilet paper at your house, the last thing I'd use is a flamethrower. There's plenty of other options. <laughs> Florida road rage shooting. Dads avoid each other and shoot each other's daughters instead. <laughs> oh, God. Do you reckon they have a bit, a point? Both, both are still alive. I did check before I read out that headline. Do you reckon they had a point of re- reconciliation in the cop office afterwards? Just, no, I know I've said some bad things, mate, but actually you're not really that bad a guy. Eye for an eye. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> One got shot in the leg, the other has a collapsed lung. Oh, see, they're going to have to even the scores a bit, I think. Though. Yeah, they're going to have to switch out and... Do the reverse to the opposites. Horrible news for that one girl. Sorry, you have to take another one. (laughs) I'd love to have a Western shootout with someone, but I don't bat myself. So I don't know why I'd really love to have one. Just a thrill in the moment. Technically, you're the winner, though, if you you pull second, because it means you held your nerve longer. You're dead, but... (laughs) What about um, laser tag? I mean, we could give that a go. Maybe Christmas. No, I used to. No, I look back. I just used to play like a snide there and just hide somewhere and just shoot people. That's the least surprising thing that's ever been said on this podcast. I don't think you even needed to say it. In fact, I think we all just knew. And uh, playing my brother and uh, shooting him in the back every so often just to get my score pumped up. Um, Viral video shows eye doctor take 23 contact lenses out of patient's eye. 23? So many questions here. One, how do you even get 23 mm. in your eye? Two, was it accidental? Like, were they stuck together and they put them in? Three, that should be a big enough chunk that you can grab and get them out. <laughs> I'll say this as someone who was hospitalized by getting contact lens. How thick in eye. would their eyes have looked? <laughs> 23 on there. Bulbous. Yeah, because I remember mine just feeling uh, just puffy. And that was after having one contact lens in each eye overnight and clawing at them, to be fair. But don't need to get into that story again. I know it makes TK squeamish when I explain their I've seen, <clears throat> so. I've seen someone think they've had a contact lens in their oh, eye no. for 15 minutes and watch them pinch their eyeball to only <laughs> see they actually took them out. This is what I did drunk for several oh, hours. And then I had to... And then I had to go and I just decided I'd sleep with them in. And then at some point they came out and um, they had to drag like oh. um, like one of those earwax things that they just had to drag it across my oh. eyeball. Um, so there we go. Maybe I haven't told I, it before. Or maybe uh, you just had one of your I weeks off. I can't do anything eyeballs, fingernails or teeth. I, I, mean, I watched The Descent yesterday. 
and they're like trying to grab onto a rock and they think all their fingernails snap off and that's the worst part of the movie for me there we go (laughs) anyway let's move on and we will move on to the football now tk i didn't want you to feel left out and feel that you'd been victimized last week so a perfect place to start out would be uh peter drury and his commentary from uh yesterday evening Alisson fires it forward and Salah's on the twist and Mo Salah's away and Mo Salah scores! In front of an exploding cop! This is Anfield! There you go. So, uh, not quite Bukayo Saka's broad shoulders, <laughs> but still nice work. He's not bad at his job, is he? I did. No, I did question with this. So I always go to see his commentary after we win, which is quite frequently these <laughs> days. But maybe if I was hearing his commentary when we were on the losing end, I wouldn't be so fond of him. Like I'm only getting the good bits of his commentary. And I wonder if that is the same if he was on. Yeah, I don't know. If only I had to go as far back as a week to remember how I felt. <laughs> I know you didn't like Bukayo Saka's shoulders yeah. which was shocking yeah. to me brave brave boy <laughs> Alex didn't like it either no, strangely but anyway in recent years matches between Liverpool and Man City have been title deciding twice in the last four seasons the teams have ended the campaign separated by only one point I don't need to remind TK which way they went Rough week, this. Um, yeah, but there was there was a different feel to this one, in all honesty, because Liverpool were hoping to stop the rot, and everything pre-game was pointing towards a Man City win, possibly by quite a large mm. margin. Um, Liverpool, if we can just talk about the lineups and your pre-game feeling, Liverpool started the game with a back four of Milner, Gomez, Van Dijk. And Robertson. Harvey Elliott was preferred over Darwin. Fabinho was preferred over Henderson. There was some clamour in the lead up for Liverpool to try a five at the back. D- do you think that was ever a possibility for Klopp? I don't think he was going to do it in this game. <laughs> I don't think he was going to change anything that drastically. He's never given us indication he would do that yet. So. And then when you do see that back four. <laughs> I think I notified you on Friday that Canate yeah. was out. I have to think that was a when it rains, it pours kind of moment. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. At that point, I would have been saying, why the hell aren't we playing five at the back? Getting that Phillips in there, just <laughs> sitting there. We surprised Darwin didn't start because well, we won't talk about his cameo <laughs> yet. But oh, God. He caused some chaos against us, got a goal against Rangers. Feels like uh, I'm not going to compare the two just yet. Nicolas Pepe, there was a strange thing where wherever it seemed like he was hitting a patch of form, he'd get benched for William <laughs> or some other freak. <laughs> and it was like, we we need to give this guy the opportunity to kick on. And we're still early doors with Darwin. But d- did you th- think anything about that at all, that you're not really rewarding his good performances. Well, considering you've just expressed reluctance to compare him to Pepe, I think this is the second or third time you've done it. So this is, uh, I'm not feeling good about that. But 
the tricky thing was from midweek, Jotter had played well. Firmino's obviously in good form. And Salah then comes on and scores a hat trick in six minutes. So everyone's got a case for why they shouldn't be dropped. And you probably can't play all four against City. I tweeted, that's why I tweeted in the weeks. So we're going to start all four here and it's going to be shit scary. Uh, so one of them had to miss out. Um, you are right. It is just in terms of Darwin, it's not ideal because you want him to start hitting some uh, momentum. But I, it's, you know, he obviously got the decision right because we got the result in the end. But whoever was going to miss out was going to feel shortchanged. And then Jordan Henderson, I don't know if there was some kind of knock, but Harvey Elliott being in over him was a strange one because Klopp, you would think, just looking at this lineup, he was kind of going with his uh, trusty lieutenants, but I'm not going to jump as far as to say Hendo isn't that guy anymore, but I just thought that was a weird one. Particularly when you look at how weak that, before the game, that right-hand side looked defensively, you'd have thought, right, Hendo can go in there and cover a little bit. I know he's not been doing a great job of that of late, but no. you'd have gone, right, Milner and Gomez, so you're definitely going to fancy getting at. Uh, so, yeah, interesting choice. And then Mares remains on the bench for City. Like, so bizarre because I think when we were all looking at Haaland pre-season, we were thinking that him maintaining some width, and particularly in this game, getting at a struggling Liverpool defence, that feels like it would have made a lot him of sense. Him or Grealish, you would have thought, wouldn't you? Um, and yeah, coming into the season with obviously them losing... Sid and Jesus, both of those you thought, right, it's going to be a big year for at least one of these, maybe both. I've kind of, it sounds a weird thing to say, a breakout season, bearing in mind the quality of them, but kind of a little bit where they're a mainstay for City where Pep can't drop them. And yeah, to, to obviously to not even, he didn't even really look like he was looking at his bench at any point. So a weird, yeah. and again, another one for, considering he's one of the managers who campaigned for the five subs. <laughs> Hang on a minute, mate. Yeah. So Salah saw the focus in the build-up fixating almost entirely upon Erling Haaland. Um, he looked untouchable early on in the Premier League, but this was uh, Roy Jones Jr. He almost have forgot because Salah's just uh, strode onto the pitch and shown everyone what he's all about. I'll always enjoy a you almost have forgot reference. So it's very nicely done. Yeah, um, yeah but then... <laughs> There are a couple of chances where you might have gone. The, we've seen the uh, the bad side of Salah as well. Then, well, yeah. If if we talk about the first time he has a clear run at goal, was there ever any expectation that he would pass it across to Jota? And did you look at it after and say, like, he should have? I had no expectation that he would. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, you were right to say. The more you look at the replay, the worse it gets. I. I think that's the replay is probably unkind to him, and I think almost every player, even a pretty selfless one, is going to take that on. And I think he still should have scored, by the way. So it's not as much as you would look at it. And if we hadn't won the game, maybe we would look back at that and say he should have passed it. I think the simple thing is he should have he should have buried it. It's a good save for Medicine, obviously, but I don't think I'd say the one thing Allison's definitely got in Medicine is that one to one ability. And I didn't think Edison covered himself in glory enough. I thought he went fairly early that Salah probably should have been able to read it. And he didn't. And as a result, it's obviously ended up being a great save for Edison. But he doesn't do much different to what he does for the second one. And Salah buries that one. I, I was ready to see um, that John Harrison say, my metrics suggest that if 
Edison had stayed in his net for this one. <laughs> because Salah is like the opposite of that Sterling feeling when he's running through on goal. It's particularly in the last few seasons, maybe not for you, but there has felt an inevitability when he goes through. And sometimes in the NFL, we see them try to ice the kicker and they follow through with the kick anyway, just to try and get their eye mm-hmm. in. And maybe this was the case with the miss. For yeah, strangely, that second one, considering we've just witnessed him miss one and, and he's not having, he's looking really dangerous, but the sort of the final end product hasn't really been there at this point. Should have been like, should have been full of doubts, but I didn't doubt for a second he was finishing that second one. Well, yeah, Alisson pings a ball that's about as pinpoint as you can hope for from a keeper. Salah produces the most incredible turn to spin Cancelo, leave him eating dust. And then, these are the ones, it's not It's not a kind day of comparisons. Jovino was one of those guys. <laughs> well, I would always look at. I think we watched this and thought, Jovino, <laughs> that was our first thought. Well, he, he was the most simple case of, you couldn't give him any time hmm. to think about it if you expect him to finish it off. And Salah had a lot of time here. And it was beautiful. There's a slow motion shot from behind the goal and you see the whole crowd get to their feet once he takes a touch. There's this aerial view of Pep just dropping to his knees (laughs) with his hands on that cold, bold head. (laughs) And he's just praying to whatever God he believes in. Salah takes, I think, two more touches and just strokes it past Edison like there was never a doubt. Like he hadn't just missed one five minutes before. I came on here last season and I think that was also a goal in the 76th minute I read where Salah has just jinked through half a City team and then slid it past Edison when he's on it there are a few things as nice to see as him travelling with the ball at his feet and he said when I missed the first one I remained calm because I knew a second chance would come yeah, I thought his um, I thought his post match interview was quite um, quite pointed. Where he said, "I don't worry about uh, he kind of did the cliche. I don't worry about missing chances. I worry when there aren't any chances." But I thought that was quite a pointed example of right. You've got to start getting me into goal scoring positions and saying to the manager, "I liked how we played today. I want more of that because there have been games where he hasn't got a sniff." And obviously on this one, he was really dangerous throughout. Even if he hadn't scored, you'd have said he was a threat. Whereas in some of these games, he hasn't even been threatening. So I thought that was quite deliberate from him. Quite a deliberate thing to say. Well, I mean, something does need to be said because if it was Trent that got spun like that for the goal, <laughs> we'd see my timeline would be full of Chelsea fans going, Reese James wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> and because Cancelo we see him in that position less often. And I thought Carragher drove the point home that you've been driving home for the last few weeks that Trent's defensive ability hasn't changed. People just have the opportunity to get it in more than they were previously. And Cancelo now, just because of that one action, every team that plays City is going to be punting it right onto his head top and saying, <laughs> we're getting at you. I think Now, I trust City yeah. to deal with it, but that's certainly going to be the play. I mean... What I find amazing is that no one's noticed the handball. Like, no one's picked up the fact that... I do... It yeah. was scooped round by Salah's arm here. Because when I first saw it in, in real time, I thought, how was that ball falling at his feet? Because it, it would have bounced upwards. And he caught it on the turn and it, uh, on the turn and it hit his arm. 
Does it actually? Because I was thinking he's done well not to have more in it. So I, if I did, yeah, I would actually see it. Genuinely, if you look, at, if you look at the slow, if you look at the slow mo. I mean, I'm I'm fine with it because it makes the league more competitive. But mm. it's just weird, yeah. like the fact that what was pulled up earlier on in the game, and that for, for it not to be pulled up. Um, for me, the the video is inconclusive, but there's a picture that looks like it is as clear as day. Okay. It, but I am with Jack in the moment. I saw it and I didn't have the same thinking as to where the ball went. Just the way his body spun, I thought, oh, I hope that mm. didn't touch a hand. Just because you're fearful now that these goals are going to be pulled back yeah. for the slightest like brush of his arm. But the fact that they kind of did no more, I was so wrapped up in the goal that I didn't even think about mm. it. I think something needs to be said as well. We spoke about how Liverpool played yesterday, but it's Pep in these big games. <laughs> he's, pepped, he's pepped himself again and... It's, you see it becoming more of a more of a thing. He's great at annihilating mid-table and lower-table teams, and then he comes up against big teams, and he consistently does something weird. That whereas if you think City just played hmm. how they've been playing all season and not changed it, they you would have backed them a bit more yesterday. If we if we were in great form, you could kind of understand them overthinking as well. But it's kind of yeah. not. It's, a... it's like like consistent like yesterday. They can, Liverpool consistently had like a three on three, three on two, three on one, multiple times. Like, there's one team in the league. That was more as the game went on, though. It, it's yeah, more as the game went on. However, it was still nil nil. It's not like they were chasing the game. They definitely got stretched a lot earlier than they normally would, didn't they? Yeah, they were, they were playing a true three at the back with their wing backs, like push right no, like, was... forward. They they actually played with a with a four at the back. And they did the thing that in, out, out, we we try doing it, not quite to the same degree of success. But you you push Cancelo forward, and you trust effectively your defence to slide across, and Cancelo is expected to tuck back in when needed. Yeah. But usually Guardiola he'll tinker with his side, but tactically you're fairly certain of how they're going to set mm-hmm. up. This one, Cancelo. On the passing maps, you can see he's as high as Foden on the other side. Diaz is the anchor of the three there. And then Akanji kind of goes to right back. Ake moves between centre-back and left-back. Still, I think you're going away to Anfield. I think it, it worked, I thought, for the most part. I thought City did actually get the best of the midfield battle. There was just nothing close to being clinical from their final ball. There is that. But then at Anfield, you don't want to be given up three-on-ones. You don't want to be given up three-on-threes, if anything. Like it's, It was too consistent that Liverpool found themselves through. In a team that haven't been that cohesive recently, you would have thought that they'd have tried to nullify them even more by just keeping it simple. See, I, I, just, I think like you said, yeah. if everyone was concluding before the game it's going to be a massive City win, it'd be like almost by how much with all the injuries Liverpool had. What you don't want to do in this heated fixture that it is, is give Liverpool, like a wounded Liverpool, any confidence at all. And I think City did that. Like, straight from the off, even in the first half, you thought, well, they're going to get chances. So they just have to take them. It may be a fault, but I think Pep at least tries to instill in his players that it doesn't matter where we're playing. It's 11 versus 11. I think he suggested as much yesterday. We play the exact same game. And so in his thinking, he doesn't bear in mind that it's Anfield. And 
if anything, if Arteta could have taught him anything, <laughs> not not roiling up the crowd seems a fairly good place to start yeah. when so much was made. And when Pep has got his hands around his head and he's, he's hyping them up, look, he's a brave man. And maybe we're going to talk about a disallowed goal in a moment. Maybe that goes in and he's a genius, but it just seems one of those things you don't need to do. Like this. And it's also somewhat what, what's it, incongruous with if he's going with the well it's just any other game it's 11 versus 11 you acting like a psychopath on the line doesn't really send that message to your team does it because you're not doing no. that at most other grounds no. <laughs> he he is hilarious like, <laughs> his, his streams interview is absolutely top draw <laughs> we kind of said that we were missing it with Jose gone and I didn't miss it when Jose was doing it at Spurs but anywhere else it's quite enjoyable this is the closest we've had for some time because Klopp is just angry (laughs) Klopp if you're not a Liverpool fan Klopp can be irritating with the way he gets his back including Liverpool because he comes across as well yeah because he comes across as rude whereas Pep's rude but I guess the the message is if you're funny while doing it I mean, Pep is pure passive aggression. (laughs) Whereas Klopp is all aggression. (laughs) Pep's nice, just condescending tone. He's nailed it. Every time he does the thing where he acts like he cannot believe you've asked this question, like he cannot comprehend why this would even be a question, he sells it so well. Yeah, he must make them feel like absolutely tiny. And Shreve deserves it because he's a mug. I mean, why are you asking him what was the mistake? What do you mean what was the mistake? You watched the fucking game someone, as well. Someone, by the way, found Arteta's first moment in the City All or Nothing documentary. And it's him saying, we won our duels, guys. <laughs> that man loves a duel. It's just him in the corner of a room flicking a light bulb. Can we get this working? <laughs> The, the way City played with Haaland on Sunday is, if we're really going to simplify it, it's how Burnley would play if they had Haaland. It was largely just lump it up to him and say, do something. That seems a bit unfair. Well, I'm really simplifying it, but it, it wasn't how they've been doing it previously, where they've been working through the midfield and they've been playing these really particular passes to get him in behind. When you look at the way they played against United, a lot of these ones, by the end of the game, they're just floating it into the box and just hoping that he's going to get on the end of it. Yeah, they, they still created some half-decent chances from them. I'm thinking that one, uh, so I think it's in the first half, De Bruyne plays that ball and it's over the top of Gomez. And Gomez can't really do anything with him. Harlan meets it with the header. Not a perfect chance, but, you know, we've seen what his finishing is like. That one, obviously, the, the Van Dyke clears in the second half. There's, there are situations yeah, yeah. where it looked like they were getting it to him. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, but but the best the best chance they had in the second half were drive down the touchline, cross it in the box with Haaland. and then you've got Mares and Grealish on the bench. Yeah, I mean, not not bringing them on at all. I mean, Liverpool would have been relieved what, to not uh, see them warming up. So that tells you it was probably a mistake because they would have dreaded. I think they tie them with Klopp's pre-game comments, so we'll get into that for sure. Um, Liverpool finally score first. They conceded first in 10 of their past 12 games, where City come to Anfield as the joint most frequent first goal scorers this season. Won't say who else that's joint with. Did this make you more or less nervous 
For me, when I have something to cling on to and I know what it could have been, I feel worse after. And I don't know how you felt here. Especially when I had got into a frame of mind of, right, we're getting beat today, so let's just make sure it's not getting yeah. smashed. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I did think potentially this is going to be the hope that kills us here. But it was a uh, the nature of the performance did make you think, I think we'll win here. I think we're going to win this game. It's the it's the following games that I do question. You know, people are kind of acting like this is a turning point. But if you looked at how the team played, they treated it cup final as an overused term. But it was more like, and I think they said it in the uh, post match stuff on Sky that they kind of treated it like a a relegation threat team where they just kind of give everything. Yeah, and I don't really back that they'll do that against West Ham in midweek or. I think they got Forest after that. I don't back that the team will have the same sort of fight. So I think they were always going to be massively, massively up for this game. And that's probably what dragged us through. I don't think it was the most quality performance we've produced, but that was probably what saw us over the line. And City didn't really match us for that bit, I didn't think. Well, you've been fighting what feels like a one-man crusade to ensure the correct stoppage time is added. How did you feel as we approached the 10th minute on Sunday? Well, my chickens were going to be coming home to roost. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't I can argue either. Could I, I just have to go, yeah, the, fair enough. <laughs> Even they may have gone on a bit too much, but the, the controversy in this game, City thought they had the lead when Foden prods it home in the 53rd minute. The goals ruled out after a VAR check as Haaland was a judge to have fouled Fabinho in the build-up. Guardiola, after the game, says, this is Anfield. The referee spoke with my assistants and he said he's not going to make fouls unless they're clear. All game it was play on, except the goal we scored, and after that it's not play on. That is the question. So when the referee decides to speak to the managers, to Jurgen Klopp, to my assistant coach, and say, I'm going to be clear, it happens all the time in that way, then you cannot disallow the goal. But if you decide in the first minute, fault, 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 you know, this is Anfield. Hmm. I mean, it's, again, TK summed that up perfectly. Like, the passive-aggressive <laughs> like just, just even think about reversing the scenario. I think he's I, spot on. I think his bold head was... <laughs> it, you, you can't play the game that way all game and then wave play on, indicating you've seen it perfectly and then rule it out afterwards because where's the clear and obvious error that we're being told about? It's the exact same as the Erdegaard Eriksson one. I mean, I I think it's a foul. I think it's a pull. I mean, They're both pulling each other. I, I still think it's a foul, personally. Is, um, the second, it's a foul, the second, but second one you can't, if you let it go. Are we not also then potentially saying, okay, he's missed other fouls and therefore because he's missed some, he's got to miss all of them from here on. Is that... It seems to be the line we're going down. It's if you're then letting the game slide the whole rest of the way, then it then that tells me you haven't seen it incorrectly, and that's just the way you're you're officiating this game. Potentially, but I, I, it seems to me. Uh, forgive me if I'm wrong here. People are basically saying you've let things go, and probably incorrectly in some of them. But okay, we'll just be incorrect for the rest of the game. Then that kind of seems to be what we're asking for, which. I don't really mind if it, that, that's the game flow more, but it does seem a bit of a weird one where we do seem to be hammering the ref because he got what most of us think is the right decision. Well, that that, that is the thing because I, I don't want to 
cloud it here at all because if that happens against Arsenal and they don't, and they don't give the free kick, no, I'm no, see, I, I don't think and I, would, I think and I think I don't City think would I would have been well. fuming in terms of if he if they hadn't spotted it because I don't think it's that, I think it is a foul, but I don't I think there is an argument to be made. Is it enough to pull it back for a goal? I I don't That's know if it's that big a foul, but people do seem to be suggesting the decision was wrong, which I, I don't think it's wrong. It's just a case of if you think you should pull yeah. it back or not. But it's not like Anthony Taylor did miss it. I don't think there's any argument that he hasn't mm. seen it properly. Yeah, in which case, and should VAR pull him up on it? Probably not. That's it. I just think that when we have this whole thing of we're going to let things slide and across all of Europe's top five leagues this season we've received 12 less red cards than the next closest league. So we clearly are letting things go more than mm. usual. But it, then if if when it gets to a goal, if you're going to pull things back, because look, it's a man's game as soon as calls <laughs> it. Until we're at this point when we can watch everything back in slow motion. It's just a weird one to go down because effectively you can play the game as you want. Well, but that's score. always the thing though, isn't it? We always get a little bit more sensitive when there's a goal or a penalty involved because it's a decision now that actually holds some weight. Whereas a challenge in the middle of the park, it's a bit too strong. He'll let go because there's no consequence. So you kind of really get tested when there's actually a goal or a penalty on the line. That's that's because if it does happen the other way around, then Pep is going to be having the same argument if it's not given. So that's just how we are as football fans and football managers and, and whatever. I just don't know how you can do that. I don't know how you can manage that as the FA because there's no way of kind of explaining around that. Yeah, I I do agree. I think City were pretty harshly done on this and that it's a borderline foul that you probably would have thought you could get by on. But I do think the wider discussion about letting things go, I do think potentially we're maybe taking it too literally. And I do want to see things let go, but it does seem to be a, a kind of black and white choice between, right, we're just going to start not whistling at all, which I think is a sort of dangerous route to go down. I would prefer that VAR doesn't pull back these decisions. So whatever the ref says on the pitch stands. And if the manager wants to cry about it afterwards, he can cry about it afterwards. They're always going to. So you can't pay too much attention to that. But yeah, I thought the wider discussion about, well, he's sort of refereed the game in this tone. It doesn't really matter what tone it is. I think if the decision's there to be made, it's there to be made. It's like when he doesn't give the foul on Salah later on, it's like, well, you clearly are making a conscious decision. Either just have a shit game. Yeah. Well, this is the other thing. Yeah, it was to just, let was just having slide. a shit game because there was a pretty blatant um, tackle from behind on the Liverpool player in the first half. I forget who it was. And yeah. he was like right yeah. on top of it. It, like, well, it doesn't get much more black and white than that and you haven't given it. So maybe, you know, maybe we're giving him too much I'm credit t- and he's just having a shit game. I'm telling you, it's that guy. <laughs> I'm telling you. He's I'm a brilliant t- ref. <laughs> Um, just for some individual performances James Milner Klopp's asked a lot of him here City when they're in the dressing room the team sheets come out whatever they tell you now whatever they tell you at the end of their careers if they're asked to look back on this game they're licking their lips seeing Joe Gomez next to James Milner aren't they? They have to be don't they? 
they absolutely have to be. And as good a player as Foden is, I thought it was a bit of a let-off putting him out there. I thought of the players they had, I thought they could have really made more of that. Did you back Milner to get booked? (laughs) Because that may explain You already know I did. (laughs) (laughs) He, He was really aggressive in the first half, I thought. And I don't know if it was something Klopp said. It just seemed there was a real case of him needing to put a marker down and saying, you aren't going to bully me, basically. When you look at last week, first action of the game told Arsenal, your game plan's absolutely correct. You are absolutely Mm -hmm. spot on to be just driving at Trent. And I thought Milner did a good job of setting the stall out and saying, I'm not going to be that guy. Yeah, he was a, he's coming to prison and he's starting a fight with one of the bigger lads, didn't he? He thought, right, you're not going to fuck around with me. Yeah. You ever wondered if that would work? Because I'm sure that big lad just whacks me straight back. <laughs> <laughs> and my point, at my point, now I just look like a bitch instead. <laughs> every uh, every expectation just, someone had when you walked in that prison has just been reaffirmed. By getting- the bloke's just <laughs> taking it on the chin and he's like, what now? I'm like, shall I just go sit over there? I thought what this did show also when you look at some of the other people that were benched, regardless of what fans think, and I have seen a lot of negativity towards Milner online, Klopp absolutely trusts him. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like Milner's performance was potentially out of that as well. He's probably a bit offended by uh, how people have reacted to him this season. And knows, but I mean, everybody was more up for it. I think Carragher highlighted that Van Dyke looked a lot more sort of pumped and up for this than he's ever seen him before. And speak about him, I thought he was pretty spot on in his analysis on that. Like, everybody realised that we've got to be on our game because City could put us to the sword here anyway. But also, everybody's saying they're going to put us to the sword. So I imagine you do get your back up about that. Yeah. Um, Joe Gomez as well, just a little word on him. Um, alongside Van Dyke, if I'm not mistaken, this was the most used centre-back pairing in your Premier League win Correct. in 2019. Yes. Yeah. So this was those two being back together because after the Napoli game and maybe just before that, we were hearing these two can't play together. This is the worst record that Van Dyke has alongside a partner percentage-wise. Yeah, and and I I didn't think Joe Gomez had this in him. I thought he probably had it in him, but I didn't think we were gonna. I didn't think stocks. we were gonna get it. Um, yeah, I think a lot of people have sold their stock, haven't they? Um, and especially I thought Harland a couple of times in the first half was making a very clear attempt to peel away onto Joe Gomez's size, as yeah. you as you would. Um, and I thought at some point he's going to expose that because Harland's Harland and. Gomez has got a mistake in him and, and that is a perfect recipe for disaster for us. Uh, and so the way he grew into the game, I thought was impressive. I've always felt with Gomez, if you can get a run of good games into him and get the confidence up, then he'll be good. But it's just the case of, yeah. we don't really have those games to give him. And in the, in the meantime, I've rarely seen a defender, when it goes wrong, it goes wrong quite as badly and quickly as it does with him. And you can visibly see his confidence sort of drained. Uh, so this game was obviously well, needed for him. Well, Van Dyke's performance has essentially been used as um, the poster to show Liverpool's demise in recent mm. times. 
his performances have clearly gone hand in hand with your uh, performance in the league table. His record was under threat at Anfield on Sunday, still not experienced a home Premier League defeat since joining from Southampton in January 2018. And time and time again, he was just in the right place at the right time to head away, kick away, shield away the danger. Right at the end when the ball's played across from De Bruyne, looks like it's going to go straight onto Haaland's head. Van Dijk's the one to clear it. He makes seven clearances, two tackles, an interception, a block, and he completed 40 of his 48 passes. Sprayed some of those as well. Do those stats always surprise you? Like Before I knew anything about football analytics, if I saw that my centre-back made two tackles, I would think that was quite a bad day. I always thought, just on the eye test, they do a lot more. But Sackers are always a lot lower than there we go. people think, even, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, often people are shocked. Obviously, the striker ends up forming more tackles often, but that's kind of just the way it is, isn't it? Nick in possession or whatever. But yeah. Especially the way the game is now, defenders shouldn't have to make too many tackles. For us, they have done the last few weeks, Christ. Joe Gomez made six clearances, three tackles, an interception, a block, and completed 42 of his 53 passes. He regained possession 10 times, and only Andy Robertson equaled that figure for Liverpool. I thought it was good having Robertson yeah. back as well, by the way. And I do like Shimakas, but I yeah. thought Robertson just, I don't know, he's just got that bit of extra quality, I think. Yeah, I did list Robertson as one of my top five rats in the league earlier. Um, <laughs> maybe that spurred him on in hindsight. Um, very good performance from almost everyone. Darwin Nunes, one of the most bizarre <laughs> cameos ever. <laughs> I thought this was like big Danny Welbeck energy from from what we do here, where essentially you're not even brought on to score goals. You're just brought on to just cause some chaos. And boy, did he do that. It was a lot of that um, I, Mr. Blobby thing when they bring him on this morning, isn't it? It just starts clearing <laughs> out the room. I think they may have stormed the pitch at Anfield if City scored after he doesn't pass in that 3v1. <laughs> yeah, that might have been him done. Are we saying he doesn't see? Does he see Salah not pass in the first half and he thinks that's okay? Like, How the hell do you explain this? Does he not just ha- not have it in his locker? I mean, it, it doesn't even... It's, it's not like you're asking <laughs> a De Bruyne-style pass. He literally needs to just pass it. it across. No, that's... That's what I mean. I mean, maybe he thinks that he's just rabbit in the headlights. Just I think he he looked like it was head down and run. And as a result, yeah. he hasn't yeah. got his head up and looked. But I think they said on comms, that's probably even more concerning than if he was just had an ego on him and didn't pass it. Probably even more concerned. I found some tweets from some Benfica fans. Oh, no. They do oh, no. on Twitter, by the way. And, and, and they're saying like, this is what, we're used to with this guy. Like they were saying, we cannot believe we got a hundred million for him. And I think you saw the best and the worst of him. Like he, he tries to flick it over Edison, hurdle him. I actually thought, and then bang it in. I actually thought that was worse than even the three on one bit, because it was just, do you ever used to, to do that on like FIFA 04, yeah, you could just chip yeah. it over the keeper and yeah. do that. Back in the day when you could slide tackle keepers, actually great days. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if we're saying he can't compute or he doesn't look for that pass. I don't know how that same brain calculates 
that the best way to score isn't to just bang it from there, which we would probably put in his kind of nature. It's instead this insane thing that he tries to do moments later. Have you ever met someone like that though, where you sort of think like, I don't know whether you're a genius or a total idiot. It's like, there's, there's no rule in between. <laughs> Not just a regular person, you're one thing or the other. He seems to have moments like that. Kind of the Carl Pilkington of football. I don't know if you're yeah, like was, a total yeah. idiot or you're actually onto something. For rival fans, it was like the best thing that could have happened. Like Arsenal fans, there's a point where everyone realises this could be Invincible's day here. But at the same time, it was like, if, if City score after this, this is going to be incredible. And then the guy carries on and he's doing even more <laughs> shenanigans. It's, I mean, I think Troy called him a chump. I saw him called far mm. worse. But I guarantee you, it was as uncomfortable as those defenders felt all game. I think Carl Pilkington... They weren't around for the Salah goal. <laughs> I don't think it'll ever... He's ever considered anyone ever calling the car. <laughs> but I think that's genuinely probably one of the An idiot in red. Because, yeah, it's one of those where it's so ridiculous that it might come off sometimes. Like, that back heel against Fulham. Like, the fact that he even, the fact that he tried it, it's been like a defender. He hadn't tried it in the first place. It wouldn't have been a goal. So... Yeah, he's just that that he doesn't know what he's going to do. So how can the defenders think can be overused? But in this case, I think it appears to be yeah. spot on the money. Yeah. Well, if we move pre-game here, and Jack, you'll be able to provide some insight here in just a moment. So, asked how Liverpool could keep up with Pep's team, who won the Premier League for the fourth time in five seasons in May. Klopp replied that nobody could. He said, "You will not like the answer, and you all have the answer already." Nobody can compete with City in that. What I will seed, all of the journalists quoting this did him very dirty. (laughs) Because the way it was sold, they don't sell that he's talking about finances strictly. It's we can't compete with them in that, in the market. All I saw is we cannot compete with them. And I was say smart enough to understand there was probably some further context to this to look at. Yeah, same there from the straight off the bat, this is there's people there's the Sky Sports interview which doesn't look great for his cause to be fair. But he says you have the best team in the world and you put in the best striker on the market. No matter what it costs, you just do it. I know City will not like it. Nobody will like it. You've asked a question but you know the answer. What does Liverpool do? We cannot act like them. It is not possible. There are three clubs in world football who can do what they want financially, referring, we assume, to City, Newcastle and PSG. Now, back in 2005, Wenger had a similar run-in with Jose, who, much like Pep, pleads his ignorance and can't understand what other managers are getting at. Wenger noted in his programme at the time, that we are helpless citing 30 times less investment capacity than Chelsea. Jose responded by saying Arsenal didn't get all their players for free, quoting Thierry, Vieira and Reyes, while Wenger pointed out that we bought Thierry with less than half of the money from Anelka, Vieira was less than 5 million, and Reyes was considered a big purchase for the club at 10.5 million, and that we would be in trouble if he didn't deliver. Now, 
his point the whole time, much like Klopp, is not that the clubs can't afford to buy those players, but they can't afford to get them wrong and increasingly can't afford all of the side payments and wages that we understand with the Haaland deal. Like no, no one else in the league can pay up to 900000 a week for Haaland. Chelsea booked I mean, it, didn't they? With, yeah, well, that, just, you're making Roman Abramovich. No, no, let me, so I thought the difference here and the difference in general is at some point, the Chelsea fans sooner than Chelsea managers, there was an acceptance that we are ruining football, but we're the ones who it's benefiting. So to be honest with you, we don't care. They embraced the role, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's City calm. still don't seem to no. wrap their heads around this. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, that that's exactly what I looked at it and I thought, I mean, if this happened to any other club, they'd be loving it too. I mean, I can fully appreciate where other people are coming from but you're right City fans are like oh we were shit we like Division 2 for years and we, this is what we deserve it's like no no yeah. no it works you've got, you've got to at least accept that you acknowledge that you're ruining football because then it's even funnier because like yeah we are and what, what you, there's nothing you can do about it it's the denial almost gives rival fans something to say like you're just fucking nutjobs a lot of you because if if Darwin isn't a success for Liverpool they're in big yeah. trouble. I'm going to mention him again. Nicolas Pepe. If we didn't have a Bukayo Saka in the academy, we would still be giving this guy minutes. He was still playing last season. We resorted to a fat, shite William <laughs> to try and stop this guy playing minutes because we didn't have the money to go and buy someone else and just replace them like that. City, I thought the perfect way to prove Klopp's point is that £100 million Jack Grealish is on the bench and he doesn't get a kick of the football. Liverpool cannot do that. No, exactly. But if you bring up that point, and, it's just people aren't interested. And that's what City have benefited from, well, is that people dislike Liverpool more, so they will put up with City's situation. And they won't point out that, as Jess just said there, that you're the bad guys, but they just will not embrace that role at all. The, the problem is, as well, is there's there's not enough of them. <laughs> the reason why we we want them to win, you don't have to run into one. All of my all of my mates are Liverpool fans. Like literally, I'd say seventy five percent of my friends are Liverpool fans, and I don't want to see them. <laughs> like no one does. Whereas City fans, I know one that was a United fan when we were young. Got a uh, a picture next to him, and he's wearing a United That's shirt. That's unfortunate. Years old, which are like. Which I love, which I love to bring up every time that he tries to give me anything. But apart from that, I don't know any other City fans, so it's. I think that's why they get such a pass because we don't have anyone to banter. Like the only people that we can really engage with on any level that are City fans have avatars <laughs> on, on on Twitter. So it's it, like you know better to to not get involved with them anyway. But this so, isn't even so much about us though. Like people don't understand Klopp's frustration and Klopp's anger and you saw all the likes of talk sport and bt sport and all of these football pages online going back and saying look is Klopp right to say this when I don't even really think it's a debate no it's not I mean don't get me wrong Liverpool uh, they're no slouches they have spent money but they spent what they've made exactly that's the and that's the difference like I've said it many a time as much as I 
don't like Liverpool. What Klopp's done with this team, I don't think Pep could have done on the same budget. And I think that it's it must be so... I can see why he's angry. Because it'd be so demoralising to have... He said he's not angry. Arguably, arguably the best Liverpool team we've ever seen. And then to still come up short every season against City because of just the depth and injuries that and just freak results and one point here and there. And like, it must be so upsetting. It's almost kind of like, I'm glad that we've had a Premier League lull around now because I haven't even been able to get my hopes up. We just had a few Champions League wins and FA Cup wins, which is great. Little cut runs. But if I had to go through a 38 game season and lose out by one point consistently to, to City, who have an unlimited budget, I think I'd have given up on football. I think I'd have gone and watched darts or something, or something that I could actually enjoy. Just that. We should, that's, uh... like, um, <laughs> we should give like trophies out after 10 games. Yeah, it's a great like idea. And I just to like, Christmas yeah. ones. <laughs> the ironic thing is, though, like, every, like, the points we're all making is that, I don't know whether it's just like a British stiff upper lip thing or whatever, but pretty much everybody can say this except for Klopp, who is the guy who misses out the most via situation. It's, it's a crazy thing. Yeah. He has the most justifiable reason to be pissed, but it's probably the only one who can't highlight it. It's really weird. He said, I don't know why you asked me because you don't like the answer. And you know but he still gives already. it anyway. It's like, maybe just shut up. But I'm glad he does He says each time, doesn't he? And it's very much a, I'm not angry. I'm genuinely, I don't even, I don't even care. I mean, like, he even says in there, it's like, look, it's legal. I'm not, not so sure it is legal, Jürgen, but the lawyers are pretty good. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? They got banned from FFP, from UEFA, and then reinstated. And they've got this expert um, debacle going on at the moment where it's a betting company from their home country where betting is illegal, <laughs> funneling funneling 500 million into the club's <laughs> revenue. Well, that's what like Newcastle about. Newcastle are about to get this sponsorship with Live Golf. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's, they're all owned by the same people. It's just another way of creating a revenue stream which allows them to go and spend more on players. I mean, the only way that you're going to get around this is if you put a spend cap in per, I don't know, per, um, per window. Yeah, well, it's it's the thing, isn't it? And I'm somewhat joking and trying to remain positive with Arsenal, but we said it with Liverpool last season, didn't we? That Liverpool and Klopp, you have to squeeze the absolute hmm. maximum out of your squad every week. And what we're seeing now probably isn't Liverpool are playing particularly badly in the last couple of weeks, not not currently. But you can't possibly give 100%, 100% of the time. It just doesn't work like that. Whereas City... We saw them at what sixty percent against United, and they scored six. Yeah, yeah. Because they can afford to lose these players, and they still have the options. And I don't know if part of it is a thing of we almost don't want to admit what's happened, because we don't want to be talking about farmers' leagues, and all of a sudden, this has happened. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I've seen more people, and I'll ask you the question about Arsenal in about half an hour, but. I've seen more people go, you know, I hope, I hope they go and win it. I hope they do it. The Haaland thing seems to have swerved a lot of opinions. I th- that seems to have been somewhat of a breaking point for a lot of people. Interesting if that is the case. Um, but it's also that it's not Liverpool. Yeah, I, I, 
for what it's worth, I think if you get very close to the title, I think some of those people may be changing their opinion uh, quite swiftly. Absolutely. Uh, I think whilst it's a, it seems a distant possibility to them, they'll, they'll be okay. Um, but yeah, potentially, because Liverpool, I've said to you guys before, you've got the perfect situation, really, over the last few years where Liverpool run it close enough that you have some interest that you have a title race. But they don't win it, so you don't. So you can laugh at them. You don't have to put up yeah, with them winning yeah. it. So kind of the perfect situation. If if there is no challenger, then they are Bayern, but except they have even more financial dominance yeah. over us than than Bayern have over their league in a way. What well, the interesting thing about slightly, up, so, oh is that if, the cultural differences between us and Germany. If you look at Leipzig, are fucking despised. And bearing in mind, they obviously yeah. haven't had the success yeah. at Seattle, but they're despised even worse than Bayern, who are hated because, kind of like United when we were growing <laughs> up, because they win everything, and you'll know a Bayern fan. They hate them. But Leipzig haven't even had the success, and they're still hated more than Bayern because they don't, the German fans yeah. don't like basically everything they stand for, how they've basically built it. By contrast, obviously here, it's, they haven't had that same level of hatred, even though they've been dick in the league. Yeah. Now, Gabriel Magalhaes had a moment in the 92nd minute yesterday where he reacted to a shove from Patrick Bamford and kicked up, much like Patrick Vieira against Ruud van Estroy in 2004. Quite nice on Invincible's day, that. Ultimately, he doesn't make contact. VAR intervened, wiped out his red card and penalty and saved our bacon. But we've pointed out he's had a few too many of those moments this season where he just loses his head. Now... Professor Strauss from the University of Dry Hinton suggested that the only real prevention, not a cure, is to use a five at the back for these defenders. No such no such prevention method is available for midfielders. And the question here, Jack, as someone that has sat through prime David Luiz, is it possible to coach the bozo gene out of these players? <laughs> or is it just about managing them? I think I think it's about managing them because you see Louise when he comes in under uh, I think Ancelotti I think and um and then moving on through Ancelotti and kind of AVB and Benitez he's an absolute loose cannon row no you know something <laughs> is going to go down with it at some stage and then you get him under Conte in a three at the back system, and he looks brilliant. You can tell that behind the mask, behind those eyes, he sees a bouncing ball in a 50 50 and he wants to go in at head height with his feet. But he kind of, I think he probably feared what he'd get from Conte. Um, so you could see him restraining himself. But then as soon as Conte goes, David Luiz is backed up to his own <laughs> As soon as he gets out the door, David Luiz is like, right, it's back on, lads. Yeah. It's Murder exactly someone training. Like, oh, yeah. I, it's like, as soon as he walks out the door, you can see just the devil on his shoulder. You can see his hair grow in volume and it's just like, like it's party time again. I think people are going to look back on David Luiz in about 15 years and question why this guy wasn't the most loved centre-back. Yeah. in the country just just even just for the way that he played when you take these these moments out of it which occurred a little more frequently than I thought they did when he uh, put an Arsenal shirt on well, you you got to bear in mind like people have seemed to 
um, that Pepe is like some lovable figure now. Like, oh, what was he like? It's like, he was a fucking prick. We hated him. What do you mean? Yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't like, oh, yeah. I get nostalgic about him. He fucking could stand the bloke. He wasn't, he, he wasn't even just fun. <laughs> just vile. Like, yeah, that, there's that um, clip of him booting someone yep. three times in the phone <laughs> and raking his back with his studs and then booting him in the head after. And you're like, and, attempted and now the pundits are like, me. like he's just like I don't know, like a dog that's chewed something that he shouldn't have. Oh, what's he like? What do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah everyone hated. Uh, everyone loved Atletico and Godin doing it until the same players Godin and I wasn't there started doing it against Man City. So it's very selective in this country. Um, John Stones and Antonio Rudiger would previously have found themselves in this conversation. I think. Yeah. Do you, would you say so what, it's been coached out of those two? Um, John Stones, I think he just has so much more flexibility in his role at Man City with Pep and the way they play that it potentially doesn't get highlighted as much because he's not under constant pressure. I think if you saw more regularly in England side, you'd see more of it. We had that like League um, 2 player, didn't we, right. saying I can score on John Stones, and he did, to be fair, yeah, in the I FA just, Cup. I just think he's got that in him. To, to be able to do it, it's just when City has so much of the ball, it doesn't get highlighted as much because they're stood on the halfway line half the time, passing it around at the back. You're not going to see it. Um, Rudiger, I mean, his first 18 months, I've said it before, is and his second 18 months, they're like different players. So maybe you're right, maybe he could be coached out of them. I think what made Rudiger so good is that he had that tendency to be mental. He just got better with it. Got more, more it's almost like a So it's not cured, then it's managed. Yeah, I'd say so. I think, because, I mean, look at David Luiz at Arsenal. As soon as he leaves a structured manager and goes to a bit of mayhem, he just falls apart again and just reverts to fight. Him in that FA Cup run, 2021, insane player. 2020, insane player. <laughs> insane. Yeah. But that's why you take a risk on him, because you, you know he's got... I, I can tell you why we took a risk on him. He was cheap, he was Brazilian, and he had a certain agent that was mates with our director of football. <laughs> <laughs> TK has Granite Xhaka been cured? Oh, that's a good question Gabriel yesterday when he loses his head Granite Xhaka is the one calming him down and telling him to keep his head yeah but I've seen Xhaka break up a fight before and I thought you can't be doing this this can't be happening <laughs> same as uh, with that um, Henderson and Gabriel one where Darwin's pulling Pulling them apart as I do, and I don't think yeah. you've got a leg to stand on here, son. I mean, if Xhaka if Xhaka lets himself down again, it's going to be like uh, like one of those shows where like they're trying to like get like disadvantaged teenagers out of like trouble, and like the kid with the Asbo does something wrong. Like you've really let me down here. Xhaka's going to have let <laughs> his manager down because he seems like he has been cured. You are right. He. Seems the most extreme case where it looks like he's not going to do these stupid things he used to do. Yeah, in in Euphoria, the whole thing's based around this one girl who they want to get off drugs and, spoiler alert, she doesn't want to get off drugs. (laughs) But every time she gets back on it, it's like, oh, we we were so close. You've heard how long she's been sober for. And this is the thing with Xhaka. It's like, oh, for God's sake. Um, Because there is a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between being mental and being rubbish. Like, I mean, you can be both. Arsenal example. That's an unfortunate. Yes, definitely. Andre Santos and Cedric, very different. 
one was mental and rubbish. One was rubbish and a professional. And you can kind of accept the guys that are just rubbish. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it's not their fault. Like, Carl Jenkinson, I would watch her howler after howler for Arsenal. And it was like, how can I be mad at you? <laughs> you? You aren't, this isn't your fault. You are just shit. Like the manager is the one picking you, Unai Emery, in a crunch game for Champions League, by the way. Andre Santos, the guy, I mean, he's swapping shirts with Van Persie at half time in the first season after he's left us to go to United. <laughs> Some people just can't be helped. Where does Dejan Lovren fall in that, TK? Oh, Jesus. He thought he was a player as well, which is the even more confusing thing. How do you deal with that? How does, doesn't Andre Santos have caps for Brazil? That's he does, yeah, yeah. I mean, him and so does Bill, him and Emerson Royale. Uh, so I just can't explain. <laughs> yeah. No explanation for that. Where where does he fall? He's definitely got that bozo in him. He's like Dejan Lovren, uh, Emerson Royale. I mean, oh. seen the clips of him dancing in London before the derby. Was he? He's, he, there's just, he's just him stood in the middle of the street. People having to walk past on either side while he's doing some shite dance. I mean, <laughs> if he's absolutely hammered, that would actually make me feel a bit better. Because like, well, I've got an explanation for why you're so awful. I mean, what I find great is that I think that Ricardo Carvalho probably had this gene in him. It's just that he was so sly. He now, he was an actual... Like, you know when they say like master of the dark arts, what they really mean is just a dirty bastard. He actually was a master of yeah. it because he rarely got pulled was, up on things, but he was, yeah, like you said, he had that nasty streak in him. Yeah, and he's got that, I don't know if it's because he's a bit shorter and a bit more slender. Like he was just, like, oh no, it wasn't me. And he'd always just get away. <laughs> I don't think you've got the gene then in that yeah. sense. So I think that's just, yeah, he, yeah, because he was calculated. He wasn't like losing his head, whereas some of these lads are mm. obviously, right. yeah. Carry on the dog. Eric carry Bailly. on the dog thing is kind of like you'd never fully trust like a Rottweiler. Like, oh, so, it's a really nice dog. Trust me. He's like, I'm sure he is, but he might turn on me at any point. That's what you've mm. got with Wow, Jacker and the others is that you think even yeah. when things seem great, this could go wrong. Well, Eric Boy, he's trying <laughs> overhead kick clearances in the European Cup final. Didn't he try like a Rabona penalty in the African Cup of Nations? <laughs> It was that or a Penenka. He did something yeah, I think mental. It was, Pen- was it Penenka? I think it might have been. It was something mental for his penalty. And that's just one of those guys who you can have on the training field day after day after day, and you're no, never going to teach no. out of them. There was no time I looked at Mustafi and said, this is ever going to be trained out of you. But you put him in a back five, as I said, Professor Strauss. <laughs> He manages to this year with buys. You know, he hasn't. That is, he's actually just perfectly fine. It's like, I think he's got some issues, lads. It's, it's funny the attributes that make an absolutely ropey defender make you one of some of the best strikers mm. in the world. When you look at Costa and Suarez and whatnot, because you make those defenses, those mis- those mistakes at the back, i.e., biting <laughs> someone or being a general nuisance. You do that anywhere else on the pitch and you're chastised. Because uh, you do it in front and you bag a goal, you're the best person in the world. I was speaking to Troy yesterday and his theory is one in three centre-backs are born with the bozo gene. Okay. Yeah. Are we calling William Gallas bozo no. gene? Because uh, I don't really think he, he was a... He wasn't an idiot that much, was he? 
it just so he happens loved, that he loved the two footed like one time two footed different times. <laughs> Did hope Jack was going to pick up on the University of uh, Dre Hinton, by the way, which is supposed to translate to three behind. His no. German there. Uh, you pronounce oh. the wrong fry, not dry. Well, I'm saying it's Professor Strauss, so I don't, I don't. There's real work been put I into just, this. Um, yeah, most common German surname, and um, the previous translation was um, five bottom, which didn't work as well. So, <laughs> dry hinting. Yeah. There we go. Um, yeah. yeah, I'm on the side of you, you. These guys have it or they don't. You can manage it the best you can. But you'll never, you'll never lose in it enough. because they'd have played like that for so long growing up that it's just so regimented that at one point or another the mask will slip and you'll just see what they are and it's brilliant. Like you love watching those players. That's what makes football interesting. You don't want these. I mean, look at like Kevin De Bruyne for example. He's just perfect. The way he carries himself, the way he passes, never loses it. That's boring. You don't. You don't want to see that. I saw the clip of him the other day in the Champions League where he's screaming, "Let me talk!" Having to be dragged <laughs> off the pitch with his little, his mm. weird voice. <laughs> where he shouts to Fabian Delph, going, "It's a picture!" <laughs> like Augustus. <Lee. laughs> Augustus. Augustus. <laughs> <laughs> last things before um, we move on to the combat sports I've got a couple of questions from uh, the other I do love that we weekend. basically included um, that defenders are basically like every film where someone's come out of prison like is he reformed is he reformed no he's not reformed he can never be reformed no you've got a scene with, like with Red from Shawshank Redemption where you put what you want on that form Sammy <laughs> was it a penalty for Harry Kane against Everton yeah like it, I know it's Harry Kane and the engineers contact a lot of the time but Pickford <laughs> dives head first into his, it's his head though isn't it like, can he get his head out the he, way he knows he can't yeah. keep getting away with this he <laughs> knows what he's done because he doesn't get up from the floor he's like oh, for fuck he he's concussed <laughs> I, I genuinely probably think that he's given the penalty given the ref no option I reckon the, the ref's Hesitating, the way Pickford's reacted, he's thought, "Oh yeah, look at him. That's definitely a- Pickford's head hasn't flung him two feet in the air. <laughs> this needs <laughs> genuinely Pickford's reaction shouldn't matter. I know, but it did. It shouldn't, but it did. I genuinely think the refs in two minds because it's Kane, and then Pickford's beating the floor and screaming at himself like he does. Yeah, it wasn't it's much like, of a poker face. Probably made it? a mistake again. No. No. Kane doing the when you see all the pictures of him going down for they the are penalty, bad. and you've got the arm in the air when he's going down, that horrible scream he lets out, which I won't, which I won't do. Well, you can do it. Just everything from the goons. Everything about it is just it's just so bad, and I don't even want to see how many of his Premier League goals are penalties because it's going to be a vile stat. And it'll continue to happen because he gets penalties that nobody else in this league does. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not quite one of those that that meme or that gif of that stick figure waving his bum <laughs> into the police officer. It's not it, it's not quite one of those where he has been uh, 
been guilty of committing those himself. It, it, I genuinely think this is just a If Darwin thing. Nunes goes down like that, VAR look at that about eight times. In fairness, Darwin probably stamps on his head or something instead. <laughs> American history. <laughs> so. That's dark. Um, you said stamp on his head. I don't know if I raised the bar too much. Yeah, yeah there's no curb involved in my bit though. <laughs> um... Do you want to answer a question about the most disgraceful deep block I've ever seen from Everton? <laughs> because if you're going to do that, you have to be able to defend and they just didn't seem to be able to do either. The thing is, like they had two mm. glorious chances well, and it's just, you put those away and the game changes, Spurs probably push forward a bit more. It was just the most boring game to watch. Yeah. Like, you're a team that can't score goals and then you go and sign Neil Mope. <laughs> like, what do you think is going to happen? Damari Gray yeah. cashing all his chips against us in that one game, I'm convinced. Because he's not looked the same since. Well, he, he's a pretty classic case of, like, looks a good player, but he is not going to score you that many goals. He's just he's just going to look yeah. okay in spurts. I mean, they still I don't know what about Everton's first made anyone think it was going to be a good game, though. I think it was sold as... Uh, I think it was yeah. um, as advertised this was. I felt like when, as soon as we have like an international break or something where we don't have games on, because I've complained then, I feel like I have to watch it because of <laughs> what I've done in the weeks prior. And Leicester Palace, Everton Spurs was whew, rough. Arsenal squeaked past Leeds. Question one, any idea why the offside wasn't given in the build-up to the penalty? Because I've still not seen an answer for this. I don't know if either of you have seen it. I think it's because they play the ball backwards. We had it a couple of, uh, last season. Because the ball goes backwards, it's a different phase of play. That's that's what was used against us um, when a foul wasn't given in the build-up to a goal. So that's the only <laughs> reason why I can see why that's the case. Because yeah, that's bizarre. I don't ever want to have to stream a game again, by the way. It just adds so much more stress on top of a game that's yeah. already stressful. It, yeah, it's shit. It's not the way to... I'd rather pay the fucking £60 a month yeah. just to not... Um, that- a number of the controversial decisions in that game. The goal that's disallowed on Patrick Bamford, if that's disallowed at the other end, I'm ranting for about 20 minutes on it. I legit wasn't sure why it was disallowed for a decent bit. And I bear in mind, obviously, when you watch the highlights of this, I was looking like, how the hell has this been disallowed? Oh, well, okay. If I'm going to attribute it to you each time, it's just that he's too blatant with it. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't need to push him in the back so blatantly. But I will say, if Harry Kane scores that goal against us, that stands. <laughs> and I'm convinced of that. Bamford. <laughs> Oh, you are. Bamford came on. I mean, I don't know what what's going on with his trim. I don't know why he hasn't had a haircut. If he said, "I'm not getting Nick cut till I score my hundredth goal or whatever," but he's gone full. Yeah, he it? came on. And this looks like something with Jesse Marsh, where he's basically you see it with other managers where a player just keeps getting injured, and so you're like, "Well, I'm just not going to allow you." to be too much of an important figure in my team. And you're seeing it with Kieran Tierney now where Arteta is hesitant to play him because he's like, I'm not letting my season ride on you again and risking you getting injured. And Bamford comes on, what was he, like 40 seconds off the bench? And he's got it in the back of the net. 
maybe people just hate him anyway because they've heard the interviews. <laughs> but it's uh, it was a let off that that was a wasn't he allowed to stand. Given on, he we it's it's the worst I've seen us mm. play all season. Um, it was a tough Thursday night. I know auto glimpse doesn't mean much to anyone else. You know, you think we played two teams or something. But it's on one of those horrible 4G pitches that are like an ice rink. He had to play more of the first teamers than I think he would have liked to in preseason. And I've said it a couple of times. There's this whole thing with the Europa League now where you have an extra round and the team that finishes second plays the teams that come down from the Champions League. So I think we're trying to get top top spot wrapped up as quick as possible. <laughs> so what they would they would have got back Friday a day's training and then well travelled down to Leeds on Saturday. So it looked like Leeds a leggy a- team. Rodrigo's pass to Honestly, set up Saka. You'd be murdering him. Oh, I was feeling. I was messaging a Leeds fan during the game. Clearly felt a bit brave yeah. pre-game. And he was like, what the hell has he done? <laughs> they shouldn't have let him out of the dressing room after that. That's outrageous. Well, they didn't. They didn't. He, he was no, still half time. I mean, I mean, he shouldn't have left. He shouldn't, yeah. Unless it's in a box. He shouldn't be leaving. <laughs> he shouldn't have left Ellen Road, yeah. <laughs> outrageous. What was he thinking? Yeah, it's crazy. And then comms were quite harsh on my stream on Melier. I, I don't know how much he was able to do about that from Saka. No, I mean, he's covered the ground shot and the front post. It's up to... It's the, the only thing Saka can do, isn't it? And he does. Yeah. Is it a thing yeah. with Melier, like we've said, with Ward, where enough people have called you a shit keeper, so any goal that goes in, we're going to question you? Yeah. Yeah, I think... I mean, the, the amount of people that can actually execute that are quite... Well, he's slim. tried it a couple you, of times in recent weeks and it's gone horribly. And so clearly he's working on it. Yeah. And I guess like, the keeper's mm. probably thinking it's his weaker foot as well. Like He's not in that angle. He and Leeds clearly can of- get up for these games more than they can get up for any other. Like you saw what they did to Chelsea. It's yeah. it's like they have three extra men on the pitch. I mean, if you're feeling a bit leggy after a Thursday night game, the last team you really want to be playing is probably Leeds. I said it um, sometime last right. season. Party was playing like he'd <laughs> never been pressed before. Like, And there was other players like that. Ben White was subbed off in like the 80th minute. Not a bad week for Ben Whitewatch, but certainly not the best week. But he he looked like what the hell has happened? He just looked like shaken up by just being <laughs> relentlessly pressed. And thank God the guys that need to finish their dinner for them are abysmal because Sinistera created a couple of chances, didn't miss any great ones. Somerville missed the one great chance at the end. Bamford. Uh, can you book a guy for diving when there is some contact? Because the way he goes down like- at the end from Gabrielle deserves some <laughs> kind of punishment. I mean, it's simulation, isn't it, I suppose? Mental. Um, and it's Paul Tierney on VAR, so I don't know what the hell got into him uh, <laughs> yesterday, but much like the Liverpool game, 99 minutes we'd played before the game had ended. <laughs> At the end, I'm listening to it on Arsenal.com. They've just got a camera on basically some fans in another country that can watch it in a legit way. 
and you, you've just got some commentary and you're seeing their reactions. Yeah, that is just feels like a form of torture. <laughs> do you do it ever when you're on a stream? I saw someone reference it on Twitter because I thought I was the only one. When you know your yeah. stream is behind and it's getting nervy, so you actually go on maybe 365 just to see if, to kind yeah. of brace yourself. I'll even go into a group yeah, chat and actively hope okay. for spoilers. No. Like, tell me there's been a goal or it's over. Or <laughs> oh, vile, but get away with three points. I saw an article on The Athletic which felt a bit harsh in um, this wasn't there's a lot this wasn't a positive for good teams win when they're not playing well because nothing Arsenal did was good yesterday. <laughs> what the hell? Harsh. Yeah. Overly but, harsh. Yeah. It was a Michael Cox one as well and he's usually pretty good but it was basically like Arsenal there, there was no positives to take from the game. It was basically just luck as to why they were able to emerge with three points. So I don't know if he had a lead yeah. to bet or something. Yeah, yeah. I'd have thought the very nature that you got the win is quite a clear positive then, if you've not done nothing well. He, his argument was basically that it wasn't that Arsenal did anything to prevent the chances. It was just Leeds fluffing their lines. And so there was no nothing. In really fairness, his corner, that, but- you can't really have a lucky win because his thing is very much tactics, whatever, isn't it? So you can't really, <laughs> this doesn't really fit his model very well. I think you could probably rinse and repeat that article for the Chelsea yeah, game. Well, I'm about to ask you about that. So. Which, by the way, though, away at Leeds, I can see how that happens. I'm not sure how it happens with Villa, but there we go. Them, Lee, uh, Ellen Rhodes and um, Sellers Park, I'm so glad they're out of the way. And it's six points for oh, them, yeah, which is yeah, big. Massive. Because Sunday game as well, when you're feeling, when you're feeling uh, rough, I don't think many of them will have a worse game touch all the wood that I can oh, yeah. it is a big thing with a big thing with Gabrielle is that the end of the game overshadows it because Saliba has been the flavour of the month which when I listened back last week I think I said nine times it's um, a flavour of the month he is yeah yeah um, he was brilliant yesterday and that's why it was just so weird that he just had that moment where he was clearly frustrated in stoppage time because in a game when Saliba wasn't at his best, he gives away the penalty. It is a penalty, but I don't know how much he knows about that it. That was weird, though. I thought the handball was, was really It was Gabriel and Ramsdale that saved us. They were both brilliant yesterday, and Ramsdale, the clips of him winding up the Leeds fans make it even better. And being asked afterwards, what was your best save? Probably the one I made with my nuts, he said. Now, I love it, but I do find <laughs> it odd that some Arsenal fans can't work out why some people don't like Ramsdale. I would have thought it had been fairly clear. Early on, I found, because he hadn't done this in an Arsenal shirt, there was the one with Leicester, I think, was the one where people Mm -hmm. started paying attention. Then I saw he had it in when we played Villa at the start of the season and they were chanting, uh, like, you're just a shit Emmy Martinez (laughs) or something like that. We were doing the same to them uh, in the previous fixture. And so when we get the winner he's shushing them and hands behind the ears and doing knee slides in front of them and all sorts. And he he's doing the boing-boing when we play Wolves. And yeah, I, I can see why, why you wouldn't like him in isolation just because I do like him. He seems like the most lovable mm. bloke in the world. So driven me, or only, I was going to say only this second goalkeeper shirt I've bought by a couple <laughs> recently and most of them seem, most of them are yellow. Ordered uh, an England one from 2010, the yellow one, 
with the white trim and they sent me a long sleeved one which i've kept but regret now because it feels slightly different walking out walking out with a long sleeve keeper shirt on compared to I a can short imagine. sleeved one <laughs> yeah, i was gonna wear my ramsdale yeah. one to a game once and i at the last minute connor messaged me saying brave that I thought, okay, there's I'll an odd sort of full kit wanker feel to it even though you're not wearing full kit with a long sleeve with a long sleeve I saw I saw a kid yeah or a kid actually you look a right right twat and I thought I'm 20 years older than you and I look a lot larger and yellow than you do so I thought I'll just wear that one at home it's the padded arms as well isn't it that's what that's what really does it if you're taking a fight you've got when we first signed out. Czech, the amount of people in goalkeeper shirts and scrum hats was disgusting. For we such a children wild bloke. <laughs> oh, come no, on. no, we would just see them like walking on their own to games, what? crossing the road, and they've got scrum hats on. What the fuck are you doing? What? I, I just don't get like how they're making <laughs> up on that. Well, like, they probably said, they probably told him it's funny, and it's like one of them where do you want to be laughed with or laughed at? And having been in that position myself sometimes, sometimes you feel, you know what, we'll just take being laughed at on this occasion. Just get us, get us involved. And it's only after you go back and go, maybe not my best moment. It's honest. <laughs> By the way, you want to talk about yellow shirts. I'm outraged at you, your brother, I think, uh, a couple of others said that they like that uh, that yellow Newcastle. Newcastle one. That is disgusting. I can't believe you all love it. Did It looks... See, that looks like a keeper shirt. Did you, did you ever play, um, it was one of the old FIFAs and it took them off their actual teams, but you could create your own teams on FIFA. And we, me and my brothers effectively had three teams on there and you could just go through and just pick whoever you wanted to be in your team. So there was like three World 11s on there, but you could create your kits and mine was always literally the identical of that. It was the FIFA where you could score from the halfway line every time if you wanted to. For us. If that narrows it is down. That, is, that, is that FIFA 2? No, no, this was more like uh, 07 or something like that. I remember having Gary Neville in my team, which is quite dirty when I look back now. Because if I have to hear him one more time, I think Arsenal are going to fall away. <laughs> which is the last the last question I'm going to ask you before we do go on to Chelsea. Is, is there anything you see that, make, that makes you think Arsenal can at all do this? Or is it once City get in front, it's curtains? So, I mean, funny enough, I was speaking when I was in the pub after the game uh, yesterday. I was speaking to a Chelsea fan whose dad's an Arsenal fan. He was there. And I was like, as soon as you get an injury to someone big, you're in dire straits because you've got no one to replace them with. And that's the problem that City don't have, where they can afford to get four or five big injuries and still replace them with, like, league-winning standard players. Whereas... You lose Jesus, you lose Party, or a couple of defenders during the winter period. If you get some injuries during the World Cup, that's when you'll struggle. So it's all going rosy now. All it takes is a few injuries, and I think that, that'll yeah. be your Achilles The good thing is Jesus is the one, him and Saka are the ones that their countries are likely to go further than the likes of Xhaka, Party, Tomiyasu, Turner. Mm-hmm. But Jesus doesn't seem to be the flavour of the month. I'll say that again. And um, Saka, um, look, waistcoat man. You never know what he's going to do. Saka <laughs> will probably ball out in the group stage and then be benched for Foden. So it shouldn't be I, as I bad think- for our squad as a whole. But I do also 
say what what you mean in terms of party's the one because I cannot watch the Ball. <laughs> I cannot do it. I've never seen less urgency in a midfielder. With with the World Cup as well, you never know how the players are going to come back. Like usually they have time to process if if they do go far into the to- into the tournament, they have time to process that loss. Whereas they're back, hey, what two look weeks at after the World Cup? Blimey. So yeah, but this is it. It's what well, Salah post Afcon was rough. I mean, you didn't even let Mane celebrate it, which was harsh. <laughs> so exactly that, and I feel that this Arsenal team needs that momentum. You'll you'll know more when they lose, like a big game. I know they lost to United, but there's a big game with a, a potential challenger. The way they respond from that. You'll learn more about Arsenal then, I think. Are we just going to keep yeah, it back this, to see, this is where we're I think all, <laughs> every question I would have had of Arsenal has been answered. It's just a case of Jack is right in terms of fitness. If you can keep those fit. But I, I think the only question is, can Arsenal challenge City for the title or will there be no challenge full stop? But with Arsenal, there seems to be, can they challenge for the title? And if they can't, well, they're going to come fifth or sixth then. There doesn't seem to be any in between in this conversation. It seems to be when they yeah. were on Sky Sports, like fall away yeah. seems to equal coming, yeah, coming in like Europa League spots. So I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to be, yeah, so they're going lazy. to be there or thereabouts. There's no doubt about it. They've shown more than anyone. It's just a case of if City hit the total that we think they're going to, yeah. then probably <laughs> Arsenal aren't, aren't going to be able to. But you can come second and challenge, or you could come second but be a distant second. And I think that's United entirely possible that's probably what happens with Arsenal we should have been playing them uh, Wednesday after a loss that would have been spooky times if you win that you'd have gone into um, overdrive having said that what yeah, I just said yeah. is also um, partly fueled by the fan base as well I think because you've got the fans are a bit put out that people are saying they can't challenge but also are like I don't want to be. Yeah, don't, don't say we're challenges, so we kind of can't <laughs> yeah. really win there. Yeah, if 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 we were top with five games left, I'd still be yeah, top exactly. four achievement so this season. So it's kind of you know we don't really know how to pitch it. I think. No, um, Chelsea. Now, I'll confess, Jack. I was doing my best to watch Arsenal, so I saw bits of uh, your game plus the highlights. The match reports say Chelsea were dominated by Villa. Now. Are these Unai Emery wins or are Chelsea playing better than uh, we're led to believe? So this is the worst I've seen us play in the Potter. Um, we could not string a pass together. And if it wasn't just for the attitude <laughs> of Ollie Watkins, <laughs> I, I genuinely think we would have lost that game. And the absolute, just the brick wall that was Kepper. I could not get my head round how this happened. He has been playing well recently, but these saves were... Unbelievable! Like he's got two save of the season saves in one game in in ten minutes within each other. It's, it's most of been not the only way I can attribute it and try and relate to it is it pitch invasion where I've made a save and I'm like right I'm going to save the next one I'm saving the next one and that's exactly what happened there. It's the only thing I can think of. But the the the, double, the, the triple save obviously the third shot was offside that was incredible and then the one from Ings where he's like six yards, well, I don't know, three yards out, bullet headers. He's diving backwards and tips it over the bar. I, it was incredible to watch and that was really like fun to see. But apart from that, we couldn't string a pass together. It was worrying how open we were with Kukurea at the back. He just was being dominated in the air. 
Um, he's too small to be a regular centre-back. And we looked a lot better. And I think the good thing about Graham Potter is, I mean, the first goal from Mount where it just spoons off That's me. That's money to you. And then, and, and then he just stands there. like One of the worst bits of defending I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. On a day when there was that it's one in the Bundesliga from the keeper. Yeah, it's just so bad. But then Money Mace tucks it away nicely. And then right in front of us, watching the free kick, we're just like, I was just like thinking, just get it on target. That's all I ask for here. And Emmy Martinez has done him a great favour by jumping to the other side of the goal and just watch it sail over where he was stood. So it was a brilliant free kick. It's great to see Mace playing in more of a 10 role where he can create a bit more space for himself. He's not stuck out on I the s- wing. I saw no. fans getting onto Aubameyang yesterday. I don't think it was so much Lack Aubameyang's of movement, fault. Lack movement, tired. I mean, the problem is, is, we had it with Werner and we've had it with plenty of other players where they will do the runs, but then there's only so many times where we don't have the creativity in the midfield to actually find them. They'll stop doing them because you're thinking, well, what's the point? Because they're not going to pass to me anyways. So many times where we have someone peeling off the back line and we'll stop, put the foot on the ball, and then just pass around I the back. Thought, and that's what happened. I thought he was in trouble midweek when I saw his brother, his awful brother, post a clip of uh, them in the car dancing to Ice Spice. <laughs> and I thought, if this game goes wrong here and you're dancing to I, I think, I think it's for the best that I don't follow it. No, I don't you have to to get the full experience. So no, Willie, his name is. I, <laughs> I don't want to. I really don't. I think I just I just want to watch one. He's continuing to film Aubameyang, um like while driving, by the way, doing anything but focusing on the road. So the sooner he gets uh, some kind of traffic charge. Byron's informed the DVLA. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a um there was a shot map come out from Ollie Watkins yesterday. And one was the corner flag from the edge of the box. One was about six yards wide and then one was again by the corner flag, but it didn't go out for a goal kick, went out for a throw-in. So that's how bad they were. I feel sorry. Don't say it. I mean, as much, as much as I can feel sorry for Gerard here, mainly because one, I hate the people that sing their Gerard slip song, but if I'm in the moment <laughs> and I'm in that way, I was fucking bouncing. <laughs> it was brilliant. But then I cringe when I hear it on the telly, but then when I'm there, it's like, well, actually, no, this is great when you're there. Um, but they played really well yesterday. And it reminded me of the game. I think Villa just do this against us. Last season yeah. at the bridge. That was Big Rom, wasn't it? Big, he was still cooking at that point, wasn't he? And we, yeah, Big Roms. Yeah, it's we were talking about Chelsea winning the league at that point, it's, by the way, because we said they can win games like this. Boxing Day, wasn't it? Yeah. It was earlier than that. I'm pretty sure it's... No, it was around Christmas because I went to go see Troy. I went to go and speak to him at the end of the road. That, that, was, that, was, oh, okay. that was the away leg. It was, uh, the home leg was about September time last year. And um, yeah, I mean, they battered us just like they did in that game. And we just won 3-1 then and won 2-0 this time. So I do think this is the mark uh, of a team that's in trouble and a manager that's probably going to get sacked when the one good performance you do throw in, you can't, you still can't win. I think that's normally a sign. Yeah. Do you, do you see his pre-game? Well, yeah. You should probably wipe the floor with this, to be fair. You're kind of doing the other Japanese, uh, what's the uh, name, where you just stab yourself in the stomach. You're kind of doing that here, mate. 
He did the Cheddar Bob. Uh, <laughs> no, he did uh, the B-Rabbit in 8 Mile. Put all he, the floors I on mean, the table and... Uh, <laughs> he's B-dotted. I mean, he should have been putting his hair up because that, that mistake from Mings is unbelievable. And Mace, Mace's free kick is out of this world as well. So, by the way, side note, there is a, a whole podcast episode in Strikers Byron has got excited about that are actually dressed. <laughs> Ollie Walker is episode one. Run it. Oh, a healthy DCL, I'm <laughs> telling still... you. Oh. <laughs> well, there was... In last game of the season, when Everton had nothing to play for, DCL, the way he was getting out the pitch, it was like he knew something. And I thought, there might be something in this. Like, he's not going to be our number one we're going to go for, but we're going to get him as like a backup. I don't know. I mean, he can't get himself fit and he's still stuck at I always felt horrendous with them because you'd be coming um, on here looking to get excited about these players. What do you think of him? Then? Like, I don't think he's that good. Did you be like, I wasn't what I was looking for. <laughs> I needed some Holly affirmation. Watkins, them deflected goals against Liverpool sold <laughs> us a dream. But uh, look, uh, can I say I was there for Tammy? I was kind of there for Tammy. I kind yeah. of convinced myself that Tammy yeah, could be did. the guy. Um, but then if you'd asked me at the time, him, Ollie Watkins, or DCL probably won't say where I'd have had him in that list. So, <laughs> all right. Last couple of things. Uh, Bournemouth are the only undefeated side since losing to Liverpool 9 0. Fair play to them. Uh, Mike proved us all wrong in uh, sacking Scott Parker, to be fair, in that we were cursing them. And it uh, looks like it was the right decision. Yeah. Seems that way, doesn't it? I mean, anyone that wears a <laughs> £600 cardigan in a heatwave when it's like 40 degrees probably... Did you go in another job full-time? I think, I think you I keep think... him going where he is for as long as you can. Yeah, I think you don't offer him that. You don't offer him the contract. You just literally keep him in position. And then when the results... Eventually, like if, United had just, kind of like if United just kept a caretaker Ollie, they'd have won the quad the following year. They just never gave him the permanent job. Well, is it between like Matt Ritchie <laughs> yeah. saying, you know, put the contract on the table, <laughs> him and Ryan Fraser? Yeah. Uh, back, <laughs> rubbing his hands together. Yeah. United. He's out the way. Couple of penalty incidents in this game. It looks like it could have been about 2 2 with just penalties. The main thing. It was like a throwback to our youth. That clip have you seen it of the United players surrounding the referee after Ronaldo thinks he's been <laughs> slick? It is so bad, and they have so many bastards <laughs> in that team. So many. <laughs> Anthony very quickly is just like found his way in with them. Bruno is yeah, number one of them all. It was just... Did they not even look at that uh, foul on Callum Wilson, by the way? Um, the Varane one? Because it, I feel I've like if they told, look at that, they give it a pen, surely. Because it's fucking there. It's not even like a debate. Well, from what I gather, they gave it some kind of look, but not a long one. It was kind of one of them where they say, looks like Viaga, okay, um, nice. check complete. The the Ronaldo one, 
I didn't need to think pieces about what a genius he is still this late in the game if that had been allowed as a goal. From the explanation I gather is the referee still has his hand up and he's still saying the ball isn't in play yet. But Ronaldo's seeing the defender touch it back to the keeper to get it set. I mean, you hear the whistle go as well in some of the... He still has his hand up, I think, is the, the point. I don't know. I, if that happens against us, I'll make I mean, it. They certainly make the case. Eleven of them. Do. If it comes off, it's street smart. If it doesn't, <laughs> it looks a bit unbecoming. Just looks like a guy who just desperately searches for a goal any which way he can. Well, certainly, and and it's, it's no big thing that footballers can be hypocrites. But do you remember United when we last season, the one where one of their own players tackled De Gea and he stayed down, and Smith Rowe put it in, and yeah. they were all going mental and saying. At half time, look, United bounced back and reacted to the injustice they'd suffered earlier in the game, and they do go on to win, to be <laughs> fair. But that team is. Look, if they were at the top of the league, we'd hear about how they're winners and they'll grind it out. But Bruno, in that interview with the Athletics, seemed to brag and say, like, referees say to me, Oh, Bruno, you aren't like this. You're, you're perfect when you're winning, but when you're losing, you're a real nuisance. And I'm really proud of that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> I hate them so much. And Adam the, of all the penalty appeals, the Callum Wilson one looks yeah. the most obvious. I did say to Charmer, as always, welcome to join, but you don't want to know his thoughts on who was hard done by in that game. Uh, he said, draw's probably fair, but all I've seen is screenshots of the uh, United penalty appeals. Blimey. And then, uh, go on. Huh? I thought you were going to say something. No, the only thing with the Callum Wilson, um, the only thing I can think is, it seems to be, you know, those ones where like players come across and it's like they get sandwiched. It does seem to be like they just won't make a decision on that because they are, oh, well, I can't. It's almost like they go, I can't pick who's done a foul there, so I just won't. It's the only thing I can think. It's weird that they wouldn't look at that closer. And Brendan, should he have been sacked just for that nil-nil? Put you out of your misery. Because, yeah, I don't know what the hell's going on there, but it's all, I mean, it's a weekly thing there. Yeah, it's like, they're just so reluctant to pull the trigger on him. I, I guess maybe they're thinking, right, we'll go for some players in January. And if we're being brutally honest, Brendan Rodgers from yesteryear is still probably better than what they're going to get at the moment, replacement-wise. So I guess they're just pinning all their hopes on that they can get a few players in and a few players... You see that is, why, did, why don't you do something Rafa in, in the summer? I go there. Is, is the thing, it's... It's kind of you're in a position where you either sack the manager or you're gonna to have to it's back him or sack him, isn't it? And they don't really be, they're not really doing either. That's kind of petering out. Rafa's getting one more Premier League go. I'm just not sure where yet. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Newcastle, hopefully. Newcastle. Give him that money. Please. Oh my god. UFC 280 then this weekend on BT Sport pay-per-view. Now we were well aware from about a year and a half ago, I think, that at least once a year, they're going to put a pay-per-view on our schedule and they're going to rinse us for it. The plus side, I guess, is they have realised that they need to stack these cards out, I think, because of the deal they have um, in the Middle East as well. And so we do get a card like we have on Saturday. Three o'clock start, TK. I'm not sure how you feel about that. All day, let's go. Well, I quite 
like the late ones, which is a surprise to most because I just think it feels bigger, but hard for most people to be able to complain about an early start when uh, for so often my timeline is filled with people complaining at the time we're awake till. Um, so if you can't watch the football that's on, you'll be able to see some fist fights instead. Now, if we run through the card and then we'll go through the main card in more detail. The elbow queen Lena Landsberg opens the show. We've got um, UK prospect Mahal Mikhaev against Malcolm Gordon. Armand Petrosian trying to rebound from his first UFC loss against AJ Dobson. We've got Nikita Krilov versus Uzdemir, slightly higher up on the mm. prelims. Uzdemir seems to have found that dog in his last few fights. He's just beaten Paul Craig after losing to Ankalaev and Jiri, so there's no shame there. And Krilov, Krilov has just battered Gustafsson, <laughs> but lost to Paul Craig and Ankalaev. So in theory, if the MMA maths works, we should have a fairly even fight there. Light heavyweights really can go either way. Uzdemir can go either way, can't he? <laughs> We've seen a few times of him. Because you get the ones where it's like, uh, remember Thiago Santos against Jimmy Manua after we'd all come on here and written off Thiago Santos a week <laughs> yeah, before. But you get the fights like that sometimes. And when he fought Rakic, yeah, where yeah. again, he just got banged. But you get that. And then sometimes you get when two light heavyweights are just trying to hold each other down. It's unpleasant. Hopefully this isn't mm. the case though. We then have... Bilal versus Brady, which, not to simplify it too much, feels a case of whichever one can implement their will on the other sooner. It feels like a fight that's largely going to take place on the floor. And it's who's going to be stronger and have the better fight. I think Brady's the favourite. I was slightly surprised. I think Bilal, no matter who he beats, I think the fact that Wonderboy was beaten after people are then saying, oh, yes. was that impressive yes. a win? And then Vicente Luque, which I thought was really impressive, but has always struggled with that, that kind style, of fight. Yes. Yeah, like if he's going to lose, that's the way he's going to lose. So I, I, I don't know. And I think there's just something to it. Like we haven't seen Brady lose from memory or at least not anytime recently. And he just has maybe just a bit of a stronger air around him. Yeah, maybe. Helps with Felder hyping him up constantly <laughs> as well. Um, Chukagian against uh, Manon Fioro is opening the main card. I think Fioro, Rory put as his one to watch actually in the protect your neck and the year rounder. Okay. But then we get into the real business. No, no offense to anyone that's <laughs> earlier than that. Dariush versus Gamrot is just a great fight. Gamrot has just beaten Sarukian. Ferreira, Jeremy Stevens, Darius really has an argument to say whoever wins here, I should be the next in line for a title and maybe really should have been in there before yes, Makachev. Yeah. The whole thing was that Makachev had to beat Darius to get to the title shot and then Makachev basically just wasn't around <laughs> yeah, available yeah. long enough so they said... <laughs> Oh, you know what? You've waited a while, so... The worst advert <laughs> for... You, uh, you can't fight. just sit around and wait for a title shot. So maybe you can. Yeah, John Jones is also quite a good <laughs> example of that. So, 
that should be a great start. The last time we saw Darius, we were still clinging on to like, maybe Tony Ferguson could be back. Nice. And then he just got dominated for three rounds. Again, he's beat a similar record as to who um, Gamrot beat in Holtzman, Ferreira. And he beat Drew Dober in there as well. So, uh, you know, we're always a fan of uh, Drew Dober on the pod. Rumoured to be the next Pimbler opponent, by the way, which would be very, very mm, saucy. Funny. He posted a face-off, like a photoshopped one, and intimated that was going to be next, but heard nothing since. And then if I said we were in business before that, we're even we're in the big business after that. Jan versus O'Malley, when that can be the third fight down on your card. You're cooking. Yeah. Um, three rounds definitely favours O'Malley. That's my first takeaway. I think... Santagan was able to use his range against Jan. I do think that's really the only similarity they have, but in just in terms of their frame. And then Jan did wear him down. But three rounds, activity alone can be enough if you can keep the guy at range. I'm not saying it's going to be that simple. We've also not seen O'Malley wrestle like that. And that's the only way we've seen Jan lose in the UFC. Yeah. Both have great footwork usually. And I remember Jan, I think we were watching the fight against Uriah Faber. And we said he had that like triple G movement early on where he's taking like very little steps, but he's just able to just corner. He just can't get out. And it's just suffocating. Yeah. Yeah. And O'Malley is happy to move backwards. And so I guess it's who's able to get off more and who's able to make their footwork pay. If it is... Jan following him around, hoping to get to the target, then O'Malley could look fantastic. If it's Jan moving him around, then again, that could be very interesting. I do wonder if maybe Jan will shoot for a takedown. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely possible, even just to make O'Malley think about it. Um, As you said, with the three rounds, maybe Jan might feel he has to to try and start putting a pace on this guy quicker than if he could over five. I think that's definitely possible. And if the narrative is still leg kicks are the way to beat O'Malley, Jan's not a bad guy to test that out. Like Pedro Munoz was the guy then you poked him in the eye. Yeah. I do think I'm struggling to get past that fight for, and I like O'Malley. Um, he lost that first yeah, round as well, didn't you'd he? Have gone, well, he'll be, he'll be beating him whilst this is lasting. It's just that maybe Munoz will, will catch up to him hurt him because we've seen his body break down before and the fact that he didn't and there wasn't a lot going on and he seems to have sold it like he was dominating that fight anyway so that's that's the way it would have gone I'm not entirely sure if he actually believes that that would be concerning hopefully he's this is just sort of a spiel but if he does this is such a step up it's such a jump from where he has been that I would be concerned yeah, for him someone was bored someone was bored with this yeah, match making yeah someone said fuck it we're sticking it in fifth because we've not seen this guy's chin checked no. yet. No, that's the other thing, isn't it? And Jan's a, a good guy to test your chin. Yeah, I, I think we're going to be really, really fascinated by this. And when Jan wins, probably go, oh, well, of course this is going to happen. Not, not to... Or it's, or it's the greatest just, coming out party, one of the best ones we've seen for a while for how quickly well, he's I'm going to say, does, does this give you any feel of 
Garbrandt Cruz. I mean, if he does pull it off, it would be that, yeah. But the whole point of Garbrandt Cruz is that we just did not think Garbrandt had that in him. Whereas I think we... Le- no, I was in the barbers that day saying it was foolish for people back And certainly if you'd said it that way, you know, if he caught him with a shot, you'd go, okay, that can happen. But the way he did it was just unbelievable. I, I think we can see how O'Malley can win this. I think it was possible, but it's just... If you were to say, like, with your chest, you think this is going to happen, you'd be saying, I think you're, you're letting your heart rule your head there. Yeah, something I would say as well is... I I felt that I believed everything Cody was saying a lot more. Like it it felt a lot less like um playing a character than it did a guy who just genuinely was convinced he was gonna beat Dominic Cruz. A lot of like I know O'Malley's whole shtick is that kind of like stoner kid that can also mm. knock you out. I think he may hit harder than Sandhagen. But also, I don't think there was ever really a point where we felt that Jan was in trouble in that fight. And I also don't think O'Malley is as technically efficient as Cody is. So maybe I'll stop comparing the two <laughs> fights. But in terms of frame, it's just that's the closest match I can see to how he's going to fight Jan. Because I don't, I don't see that O'Malley, unless it's a, a wrinkle in his game that we've not seen yet, I don't see that he watches the Aljo fight and says, I can replicate no, that game no, plan. No, no, no. Because Aljo is one of the elite, and he, what was it, three? I was going to say, and even, even that was close, and that's, you would say, the stylistically most brutal matchup for Jan, and it was still that close. So, mm. the flip side, obviously, I guess, of the guys that O'Malley could fight, Jan is probably the perfect one for him in terms of the least competent wrestler. You would, go, you would assume... When O'Malley steps up, the, or the plan is win. going. Yeah, the plan is going to be get this guy to the floor. We don't want to stand up with him. Whereas at least Jan, you'd think there's going to be some stand up that O'Malley will back himself to be successful in. So, what's your prediction? I think Jan, and I think he will stop him with some sort of. I think it will be looking a bit brutal anyway, and he'll get some injury. I think we've seen that O'Malley's body doesn't stand yeah. up to it. So, leg kick again or something. I think something will happen. That, Jan's a, a scary dude and I think he's going to do something like that again. I think Jan decision. But I'm kind of like, I love Piotr Jan and I have since the first time I saw him in the UFC. I remember coming on here and just be like, this guy, like I've just, it's like, I didn't even know how to explain him. He was just a fun guy to watch. If he was to lose to O'Malley, I feel like the moment would be enough that it wouldn't be as sad. Like it would be one of those but at the end of the weekend, you look that was quite cool actually. Like that whole thing, just the that it happens, that the shock of it. I would everything. love to see O'Malley do it because he's a he's a character. I, I think you're a bit split on him, aren't you? I don't think Rory likes him, does he? Uh, no, I no, I I like him. I, yeah, I do like but- him. And I'll watch him every time he fights. I just prefer yeah, the man. thing with him is I think Amali's star power so far exceeds anything he's done. And this would be a sort of legitimizing of it. This would be a, well, look, I've talked the talk and now I've walked the walk. And there's always something fun about seeing people do that, isn't there? Well, we somewhat took the credit of building McGregor out of the UFC's hands and said a lot of it was kind of self, yeah. self-done. 
I think the way they've built O'Malley is maybe the best job they've done with anyone in recent memory in terms of the pay-per-view placement, yeah, okay. the opponents, yeah, yeah. everything. And that's from having him fighting in an empty apex on the Contender Series, just to having Snoop Dogg on commentary and making that clip viral. Yeah, I mean, that's some good fortune, though, isn't it? Because they had Snoop Dogg on, the, on that series and he ends up... But he maximised yeah. He maximized everything. kind of, And then the UFC, I mean, Dana straight away got him and he was on the next. You're absolutely right card. about the placement on the cards and stuff. That is absolutely, and that's where they have been good. The rest of it is still fairly self-made. If you look at like obviously his YouTube channel, whatever his, his merch, he's really gone and yeah, sort of above and I, beyond. At the time, I went to buy one of those rainbow tie-dye <laughs> shirts because I had the O'Malley fever. Like I just thought it was the coolest thing ever when he came through. Yeah, yeah, I think because um, uh, he does some like sort of sun's crossover stuff doesn't it I think some of that stuff looks cool as well probably the price I would put me off I'd probably be scared the more the more you see of him I think the worse it, the worse it is so if you are just tuning in yes. seeing him slump people on a pay-per-view the clips I see from his podcast yeah not great um maybe the most interesting fight on the card for me Aljamain Sterling TJ mm. Dillashaw I started writing out my predictions last night and I ended up writing a prediction for both men because, because I was trying to sell myself. Some splinters on your ass. Yeah, because the big thing is how healthy Dillashaw is. He's came back. He looked good. I thought he lost against Sandhagen, but to just come back in your first fight and compete like that tells me that you are still that caliber mm. of fighter. The cheap kicks in that fight means he has to go away and have knee surgery. And this is his first fight since the knee surgery. Oh, it's so it's so tough. It's so tough because I'm saying Aljo won't be able to wrestle him. But then he was taken down by Sandhagen. Yeah. And then there are the massive layoffs and injuries, but then his striking is so much better than Aljo's. And if it is staying on the feet for five rounds, then mm, I favour his chin over Aljo's. Really? Even at this stage? Well, well, we've seen him get knocked out against Sahudo in, I guess, recent times. He's had the layoff, but even for a while before then. And the last time before that was um, John Dodson. You're just going to put this Hudo on down to the weight cut? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, and whatever else who's pumping <laughs> in his system. Maybe he's got something in his system. I did see that fight. picture doing the rounds where people are saying, yeah, bumps on his yeah, chest. yeah. To be honest, I've, I'm quite emphatically picking Sterling and I'm saying, as I'm saying that, I realise how foolish it is. I've written off TJ Dillashaw quite a few times. I think I picked Garbrandt for both their fights. Um, and I picked TJ for both. Yeah, yeah, nice pick, especially the first one. Um, so I'm going to look very foolish again, I'm sure. Well, I was thinking, I, TJ, this when point I is not started TJ writing, we remember. In my mind, I don't think. But I could be wrong. Well, when I first started writing, that was the direction mm. I was going. And I was. it was just going to be the younger fresher guy is going to impose his will 
he's going to take him down and I think just win a comfortable decision. But then maybe watching too many old Dillashaw clips, <laughs> and I can't be overstated, I used to love the guy. He was the guy that got me into the UFC. Yeah, a lot of people are on that and then, similar sort of uh, page with him as well, I think. I think he was kind of... It's hard to like now... When you cheated as blatantly as that, you can tell me it's for a weight cut all you want. It's hard to view you in that way. And so I wonder if maybe in my mind I've been putting him down and pumping Aljo up. I'm going to say Dillashaw decision, but with no real confidence mm. at all. I think Sterling decision. Uh, as, as you said, it's a potentially the most intriguing. It might not be the kindest on the eye. I think I think Sterling wins. The main event. After going back, I'm quite conclusive in my yeah. pick for this. I think Islam is going to win in quite dominating oh God, fashion. Burst my bubble. I think he has the perfect style to counter Charles on the feet, mm. and then on the ground, like Charles's whole thing in recent times has been that he comes forward and he just pressures you and pressures you and pressures you until you break and he backs himself in in a war. And that's how his offences work best. That's how he's put things together best. And that worked against Chandler, that worked against Poirier and it worked against mm. Gaethje because none of them want to get anywhere near the range with him where he can take them down or he can initiate any grappling. Yeah, that's it. Even when he's literally hurt on the floor, He's saying, go on, they come in. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want it. Whereas obviously Islam's a different it, story. Islam quite literally yeah. wants you to come towards him and he wants to enter that clinch and then he wants to lock your body up and take you straight down. And once he has you wrapped up, good yeah. luck staying yeah. on your feet. So I think Oliveira will have to pressure a lot less if he alters his game at all or he'll have to pressure in a different way to which he usually does, so he'll be less comfortable doing it and he'll probably get taken down then. And then Islam's top control has been phenomenal for as long as we've seen him. Yes, it's been against a lesser calibre of opposition, but he's controlled legit BJJ champions. And yeah, let's face it, that isn't any, the question we've got with him, is it? We don't question that he can do that. It's other parts of his but game. But then also, like, Oliveira, there used to be this whole thing where it would be Tony and Khabib and it was like well Khabib can do all this crazy stuff off his back if he gets taken down Tony Oliveira hasn't really shown us that mm. in the UFC like he's been great at jumping on submissions against fighters that are hurt fighters that are pressing in on him he's not really been reversing guys off his back and pulling off these slick submissions like we're going, we're going way back, and it's another favourite of mine, unfortunately. He was being controlled at times by Kevin Lee mm. on the ground. Paul Felder, I know it's almost at this point you just never reference that fight when you talk about Oliveira, but even if we just we ignore the tapping thing, because I don't hold that against him anymore. But Felder was able to move him around on the ground a different time in his career, admittedly. And... Islam's top control is just on another level to those guys. So he may have to come through some scares. We've seen him be chinned. So you know it can happen. It's not like Khabib where it's like, we've not seen we've not seen this guy on no. the brink. 
I mean, the most we had with Khabib was Michael Johnson. We've already clung to that as well. <laughs> so. Yeah. For this one, it's like, from what we've seen, that may point all towards the direction I don't want it to go because I don't want that confused. I want Oliveira to win more than I want Sterling or TJ to mm. win. So I, I, I'm all in there. It's just, we've kind of learned maybe to not back against these Dagestani guys. But I, who knows? We've not we've not seen Makachev have to drag himself through a war. And I, I don't think his style paints itself, uh, lends itself to that. But you have to get in there first. And that's where I think the issue could be. It's a pretty compelling case for me, I'll be honest. Um, and I did mentally, I just thought it would be, maybe I'm just a pessimist, but I thought it would probably be about right for the EOC that Oliveira can have this great run of, like you said, Poirier, Chandler, Gaethje, thrilling fights, and then get outdone by a guy who probably just wrestles him and keeps him for yeah. a decision, maybe, um, in, a, in a bit of a boring contest where we just know as soon as he gets him down in the round, that's it. That is That definitely has crossed my mind. But I'm rolling with Oliveira. If I've written off TJ Dillish too many times, I've definitely written him off too many times as well. I'm saying he lands that shot. He's buzzing people in a way that we rarely see people buzzed. And I think he's going to do the same to Makachev. I hope so. I hope that I hope that does happen. I'll be hyped if it does. He's just shot. He's sharp shooting at the minute, and I think Makachev is going to obviously have to get to him to wrestle. And the same point you're making, I think Oliveira, um, if he needs to close that space, I think Oliveira can catch him. I think he will. Stranger things have happened. Um, Villa are now being linked with Poch. So uh, bloody hell! <laughs> there you go. Telegraph exclusive. They're going to target him if and when they sack Gerard, which usually isn't a good sign for the manager when you get to that <laughs> get to that uh, point. Those owners are going to be throwing something um, at Poch if that's what they do. Yeah. Just to cover off the rest of the bases, Deontay Wilder, we had to wait up till about quarter to six on Saturday night, Sunday morning. Worth it in the end for the three punches <laughs> that he did land. I don't know if you ever looked at that fight wondering whether Hellenius was going to win. But it was certainly one where when I was adding it to my bet, I was looking at the un- the unders and going, is seven enough? Is under six and a half enough? And weighing at the odds, I-, I certainly didn't think it was going to be round one. I thought the um, first three or four rounds looked at a pretty enticing one. Um, and then as the fight was starting, I remembered that Wilder often does that thing. Like, Spilker one is the most uh, extreme example, but where he just waits and waits and backs himself to eventually yeah. do it. Um, and I wondered, obviously, with the, with the Fury fights, if he might be, you can't say cautious, because that's obviously not his game at all, but if he might just bide his time a little bit. Uh, and it looked like, let's face it, for a 95% of that round, yeah. it looked like that might be what he does, and then he does what Wilder does. Did it mean much to you with the amount of weight he lost? Well, look, I was gonna, I was gonna tweet this. That I think numerous on articles I've written on the podcast we did, I expressed concern for his weight gain going into Fury Part Two. Right, everything about yeah. Fury Part Two and Part Three, and then this afterwards, has made me just even more just 
why the hell did you do that? Why did you put on that extra £23 or whatever it was? There's just no benefit. It might have made no difference. Fury might have done exactly what he'd done anyway. And maybe it did help him be a bit more sturdy in the Fury fights. But it only diminished your chances, I think. I think this was his best weight. It always has been. Uh, and Hellenius obviously found out the hard way. But Well, there were some people online that suggested that Hellenius just had to come in and lean on him. And look, the blueprint has been exposed. Yeah, they're fucking stupid, aren't they? Yeah, it's... It was like Guerrero. We got the blueprint. <laughs> was it Guerrero? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. The, I mean, often as well, it'll be people who really like Fury. But like, you're kind of dismissing your own guy by doing this, you know, because like, everyone can do yeah. what he can do. But, uh, yeah, this is, this is what he's good at. It's not just the raw power he's got, which is insane, but also just that kind of wiry, quick, weird angles that's kind of where it all comes from as well and that, that isn't aided by having 20 extra pounds on you the power you've got you don't need more size on you Let, let's not understate that he's moving backwards and his arm isn't even fully extended no yeah that's it and he hasn't he hasn't even caught him like bang on the chin even as well it's higher up and it's, no, he's just left paralysed with his eyes open yeah that's scary when you, when you go stiff as a board like that and your eyes go like that it's I think I saw was it Danny Garcia um, I think he said I thought he had actually caught a body at that point. I, was like, I don't know if you need to tweet that, Danny. <laughs> yeah. We're led to believe it's going to be Andy Ruiz mm-hmm. next. I don't hate it. We think the WBC are going to order that. That's why I was going to say, because he can say he wants Joshua. Joshua can say he wants him. I think a lot of, well, I mean, there's hypocrisy the whole way through boxing, but in the same way, if you're going to say that Wilder is running then it's the same as you can't be annoyed if Fury says that AJ's running like it's one and the same you want all these extra little stipulations and you're saying you need to sign the contract by this date and it just doesn't work like that what do you you wanted a three fight deal for Wilder I think it was one to build it one for AJ and then one that was either going to be a rematch or a I think he described it as one that could be a easy touch to get him back which I'm sure was a great selling point in negotiations, by the this way. This is what Hearn said, sorry. Um, yeah. yeah. So that's that's not going to happen next. You look at the other alternatives. He's done the Lewis Ortiz thing. Someone's going to fight Jarrell Miller at some point. Oh, yeah. Wilder probably makes a lot of sense. AJ's probably the one you'd do with that if you didn't have such a thing with drugs cheats at the moment in your own stable. Yeah, Hearn can't, can he? Jesus. No, so that's pro- that's probably the one because I don't see you going and fighting Joe Joyce, and I think Wilder beats Joe Joyce, but it's like, what's the point at this stage? But also, that that is a fascinating, compelling fight for British fans. But that's it. <laughs> if the Americans say he's going to go fight Joe Joyce, they're going to be like, who fucks that? And so you've got this absolute yeah, say- hellish night for something that most of the, your fans don't know who he is. Yeah, it's like if he's so tough, then you say, well, let. AJ or Fury fight him then. Like, if he's so tough, that should be a great fight for the British Yeah, fans. yeah, yeah. And if he has the belt, then he has that legitimacy and, and you can go and fight him. And let's face it, that is so fun, isn't it? That is immovable yeah. object, unstoppable force meeting. It's great fun. But then, you know, you, you list any world of fight, you like, oh, actually, maybe that's the fun, best fun fight. He's just that guy, isn't he? Well, if you're white people and you want to do the overseas thing, like fight an overseas fighter, then you say, give me Chisora or White. 
because they're both so easy for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, Wilder, if I saw him in with Joe Joyce, I'd be nervous. If I saw him in with AJ, I'd be nervous. If I saw him in with um, Usyk, I'd, I'd be, be nervous. Recent. Yeah, well, I think he. I mean, I put on a. I think he beats Usyk. Um, I'd get flamed if I put that on Twitter. The Usyk fans are like, savages. <laughs> but you look at Chisora and White, and it's like that's they're perfect for what you want to do. You have to pay him a bit, but at least White has some kind of name. I don't know how effective after just being chinned by Fury, but it makes a lot of sense to me. And I've, there's a lot of people in this country that would tell you still that White beats Wilder because well, Wilder can't box. Yeah. yeah. He's rubbish. Fury, he's only fought bums. And you say, well, who's who have these other guys fought then that aren't, that aren't bums? Joseph Parker? You're telling me the Wilder doesn't beat Joseph mm. Parker? It's like, come on. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah. It's- well, there isn't a heavyweight in the division that has a good resume. Fury's ultimately is, is is the worst outside of Wilder and Klitschko, but pretty good wins. Also, if, if you're saying Wilder's a scrub, then that means those flights have, those flights have wiped off Fury's record as well. So he would just have the Klitschko fight on, on that basis. You're going to be extreme. I mean, at the same time, then don't write off Wilder for getting in there three times mm. with Fury and mark him down for that. And then when you when you get to the others, like I'm putting your Brazils and your Ariolas and all of those guys, your Duapas, your Spilkers, in there with your Otto Wallins. And I mean, Hellenius has been in there with White and he went 12. All of these guys, it's like... There's an argument. Hellenius is coming off career best performance against Kalanaki as well. And I know he's, I know he's getting on, and Kalanaki is probably just the perfect matchup for him. But I, I thought he looked fairly reinvigorated for that. But it's this thing that he doesn't fight guys. Like he signed to go to Russia and fight Povetkin. It wasn't his fault that Povetkin popped. He still was going to after he popped as well. <laughs> yeah, he fought Luis Ortiz when no one else wanted to fight Luis Ortiz, and people were questioning why mm. he was doing that. And then he has a hellish time the first time, gets out of there after surviving the biggest scare of his career to that point, gets in there with him again, and he's having trouble, pulls it out of the bag. And it's like, I've got to give this guy some credit because you, you, you can't, as you've just said, you can't take the props of beating him if you're not going to give him the props for being the fighter that he is now. So it's just it's just irritating as a fan of his to just read it because you see people who, don't not know anything about it. They're kind of the in-between. And it's, I don't know who they listen to. I have a good idea. <laughs> but to just write this guy off, you're honestly closing your eyes at one of the most exciting features in sport today. And we've said this several times. I've never before seen a complaint of all this guy does is not it's people bizarre. out. It's I've never bizarre. heard it. <laughs> Bearing in mind, you know. This guy can't box. All he does is knock people out. What the yeah, hell more yeah, do you want? Absolutely perfect for what you want, surely. It's it's bizarre. It's Because, you know, when sort of quote-unquote a casual fan or an in-between fan would watch like a Floyd fight, they'd be like, oh, well, this is good, but, you know, it's not really fighting, is he? It's just, just boxing moving. This is boring. Wilder is the exact yeah. opposite of that and people aren't happy. But it, but it is the... 
I'm basically wedded to Fury in this, and I therefore I can't like this guy. And as you said, it's a shame because you're missing out on someone who is as entertaining as anything I've ever seen. Because this can just go off at any point, and there's nothing more interesting in a fight than that. There's, I've said it before, but everyone loves like a Gatti Ward type fight, and they're great. But the the tightrope fights are the best fights. The one that in one second this could go wrong, and he's the ultimate tightrope act. Like even Fury knows it's in his best interest, and every interview he does, he's like, "Well, don't forget, Wilder beats everyone yeah, else." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's very quick to say that because he knows, like, <laughs> well, he's felt he's been in there with him, and the I don't like giving the man credit, but the the credit I can't not give him is he took punches off that man for for three yeah. fights, punches that no one else has stood no. up to, and I can question maybe how you stood <laughs> up to them. But that first fight, it, it still upsets me to think about it because I said to you yesterday, I feel that was like a turning point for my life and my life could have been so much happier and brighter if that man had just stayed on the canvas and Jack Reese just hadn't been a bastard and done what... There's no, There was no other ref in the world that wasn't just waving no. it off the second no. he went down and it haunts me to this day. But... We'll wait and see next. Him and Andy Ruiz is fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was wobbled a couple of times by Luis Ortiz, but so was Wilder. He's a bit smaller. He's going to throw punches at him, prevents a bit of a different challenge. Yeah, it's, it's more exciting than the majority of heavyweight fights we've seen this He's year. He's the best. So. If you can't get an AJ or a Fury or an Usyk, which we all assume you can't, then Andy Ruiz is the next best option. Exactly. So, there we go. Um, finally, we had a big night at the O2 with uh, an all-female fight card, sold-out O2 Arena, Clarissa Shields and Savannah Marshall topping the bill, and you had Michaela Mayer and Alicia Baumgartner as the chief support. Don't need to break down the fights completely, but I would say for all the build-up and hype there was, they, they both largely lived up to expectation. I don't think many people turned the TV off on Saturday night disappointed with what they'd seen. No, they delivered. I was I was glad about that because I, I did wonder if this thing was going to become more about the event and the actual fights themselves don't quite live up to it. Uh, but instead, they built up the event much more than I thought they could. I thought I was impressed by that in terms of the eyes they seemed to get on it was impressive. The people talking about it really surprised me. And then both of them, Maya Baumgartner was a really good, I thought, 50-50 fight. And then I thought Shields really showed their class in the main event, probably more than we've ever seen from her, I think. Yeah, because I remember her first turning over and she'd be on Box Nation a lot, largely because, it's very weird, she hasn't received really any network really the whole way through doesn't her career. doesn't make a lot of sense to me. No, because you would think in America you could do the same job with her that you've done with Katie yeah, Taylor over yeah, here. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly over there, they prefer the brash, and I say this in the best way possible, the brash kind of arrogant style that she presents in her interviews and press conferences more than... They should be branding her like over here, And that feel, feels lazy, but yeah. she's calling herself the greatest ever, she, and she's backing it up. 
that I mean, even from a cynical point point of view, you know, a, a female fighter doing this, you'd thought I just want to be the one that's getting the first one, and she is the first of her kind over there. But they love Katie Taylor more, don't they? It's it's bizarre, really bizarre. Now she doesn't usually fight like she did on Saturday night. I think the occasion did definitely pay into that. I think the fact that, as she said, there was this bad blood because Marshall was the only person she hadn't beaten. And Marshall had spoken so much smack about ending her career and, and all of Marshall this. Marshall has legit power, which we don't, we don't really see with female fighters. So that added some jeopardy to this that, okay, Shields might get clipped, whereas you're almost never going to have that with a female fight, unfortunately. Which I thought would make it go the opposite way, and I thought she would be very careful. But then she came out, and maybe the plan was to be careful, but she lands a shot in about 15 yeah. seconds that she at least gets the impression that she's hurt Marshall. And from there on, it's like, she can't miss, so why the hell would I stop swinging? And so even when she was being backed into the corner, she'd land like a check hook off the ropes and it was just back again. Is she going to go down? And ultimately, she couldn't get her out of there, but she did all but. We've seen before, haven't we, where fighters land shots easier than I think they expected and then start getting hungry. Sometimes greedy in some cases where you just think, I can't miss, as you said. Um not a great sign for a power that she, she didn't because she caught with some unbelievable shots. But at the same time, she come up a couple she of times, so, showed she? so much uh, sort of quality in there. There were times in the early one, it was not the same level of quality, but that sort of disparity in speed and skill that was kind of like, a, almost like Mayweather Hatton, where you were like, oh, we were kind of pitched as this was going to be a 50-50 and this is anything but. Yeah, I thought Marshall looked like a plotter for the most part. Mm. Like if, and I think she is better than that so that is probably a reflection over Shields but I did think it was odd every time with Marsha has been that she's taller than them she can keep her range and she keeps them on the end of the shots that's where the power seems to come from so it was odd that she was looking to go in and sort of smother Shields I thought it was a weird plan but it seemed like she I don't think that necessarily was always the plan it looked like she was kind of throwing the plan out a little bit and just trying to get into a scrap well, I think there's there's some, and some would argue and say, if this is the pinnacle, the, the top of the sport, then you would expect a greater technical level shown from Marshall in particular. But I question if you would have quite a, a successful event if that was the case. If, the, if both fights were like Maya Baumgartner, then maybe it wouldn't be as good. They were the perfect um, yeah. foil for each other in that you had this back and forth going down to the wire, split decision. And then on the other hand, you have this, uh, I mean, I saw it for Hagler Leonard, I think uh, Salita <laughs> called it, but it was a very fun night. And there's a lot of people that still refuse to watch any sport if it's women's sport. And they are really missing out when you look at football and you look at boxing and, MMA and countless others because if you give the opportunities to these people they're showing time and time again that they can deliver and when you look at the free main events we've had on Sky Sports and zone this year that's going to be right up there come the end of it yeah 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 this, this is an example when the level goes up then you can't help but like watch it the criticism had before is why well, if, if the level isn't good enough then why are we going to watch we're not going to watch a substandard product in the football the boxing whatever the level's growing rapidly and the best thing 
in certainly women's boxing, bearing in mind, obviously we've had a rough few weeks in boxing, is that because of the smaller pool of talent, the best are fighting the best. So you've ended up having Taylor Serrano and Shields Marshall. That's like, you know, that is like us getting Spence Crawford and AJ Fury or whatever. And, you know, within a few months of each other, which we basically in men's boxing just accept that that just isn't going to happen. In women's boxing, because they basically have to, we get to we get to actually enjoy the best fight and the best. So it's again, it's kind of like with women's football, you kind of thought there is so many sort of, sort of other things wrong with the men's game that aren't yet in the women's game. You can kind of have that with women's boxing as well. There's a almost an innocence to that sport still where they actually will get in with each other. You don't have all the politics and shit that is basically ruining the men's game. But for sure, and. Uh- Point to close out on if you want to talk about politics they've just announced that uh, Josh Taylor and Jack Catterall have agreed to a rematch on February 4th next nice. year so I look forward to all of that uh, politics being spoken about there but I think that just about does us for this week we'll come back next week we'll see how foolish we were with our UFC <laughs> predictions I think Arsenal are away at Southampton so uh, another Europa League game first we'll see how we go thank you for listening Movie Madness this week. I'll be back with Keenan. We have Inside Man versus The Usual Suspects. Tune in for that. Goodbye.